Let's get into it with my pal, Brett Surplus. There exists a threat from anti-hunting groups to politicians trying to give our land away, and we won't stand for it. Those vast western landscapes provide the space for our wildlife to thrive and a place for hunters and anglers to fuel the fire that sparks their soul. In this show, we share our love of hunting, fishing, and conservation. Here, we provide the foundation to meet these threats through passion and the grit of the American outdoorsman. Welcome to the Western Huntsman Podcast. I need to get an air conditioner in the Broken Tines studio. Welcome, everybody. This is episode number 31 of the Broken Tines. Oh, I'm sorry. At the Broken Tines studio <laughs> for the Western Huntsman podcast. My name is Jim Huntsman, and uh, so glad you guys are tuning in. You guys have no idea how much I appreciate uh, all the all the support and the, the downloads we're getting and, and all the messages, all that kind of stuff. I know I sound like a broken record because I say that all the time, but I, I want you guys to know that I'm super sincere about that. I, I really do appreciate you guys. Uh, this is uh, this is just a, a great thing uh, that uh, that we've got going here, and and it's a lot of fun, a lot of fun for sure. So thank you guys. Uh, this uh, show is brought to you by Phelps Game Calls, and I highly recommend for you September elk bugling, dirty rotten scoundrels out there, get those dang reeds stocked up. And I I was supposed to have given away a few. Uh, but we haven't had enough entries yet, and and they're still slowly coming in. So well, as soon as we get enough entries, I'm gonna I'm gonna draw a winner on those. I uh, might have one more good competition before season starts. I'm not totally sure yet. Uh, a, a giveaway, uh, if you will. So yeah, Phelps guys, um, y- you want to make sure you're getting those calls because I know that they are. Um, a little bird told me that they are running into some inventory concerns. And so that could be an issue come September when those store shelves are empty. So jump on Phelps' uh, website. It's in the show notes. And use promo code uh, HUNTSMAN10 for 10% off. Uh, that's not like a used car salesman trick or anything. I'm, I'm serious about that because you don't want to get into De- or September. December. Yeah, I guess if you want to call Elk in December, you can try it. But uh, um, you don't want to get into September and not have the the reeds and everything available. So I'm going to actually pick up like five or six more. Uh, and we are also brought to you by Scree Extreme Mountain Gear, my favorite hunting apparel company out there. It's a great company, guys. These are these are just freaking cool dudes, and really like them. Like like their mission, like what they're doing. Uh, they're big time hunters. And uh, they, they just make excellent products. And so, uh, you guys, if you are in the market for new technical hunting apparel, you want high-quality stuff without breaking the bank, uh, Scree is the place to go. And uh, there we have a promo code there as well, the Western Huntsman. And that's going to give you 15% off and free shipping, which is always cool. And still running our bonus promo code, the unofficial official unofficial sponsor of the Western Huntsman. <laughs> I say that only because they're they're not necessarily a formal sponsor of the show like Scree and Phelps, but Hoffman Boots is uh, my go-to boots, and they have this really cool new boot out called the Six Inch Summit, and it's super reasonable price-wise. And they're they're running this thing that says uh, you can you can save forty bucks on it or whatever, 
But the boot is only for, – for, for this pair of boots, it's only 285 and it's a super high-end boot, and that's just a temporary like introductory price. It's a new, a new boot, and it's a mid-height mountain boot. And if you guys want to save better than the $40 that they're, they're offering now, type in Huntsman15, all caps lock. Again, it'll be in the show notes, and that'll actually save you like 42 bucks on that pair. So I tried out I tried out the promo code on that one. I bought some new socks because <laughs> I need socks. I uh, realized that my, uh, my stockpile is super low, so I bought some socks and tried out the promo code. Worked great, and they should be showing up on my front door any day now, so pretty excited about that. All right, guys. Hey, I want to, before we get too far into this, I wanted to give a shout out to uh, an old friend of mine that uh, I realized was listening to the show because uh, apparently he he uh, referred one of his buddies, and I believe they're they're all back east in North Carolina, but uh, my buddy Dale Danikin. Man, Dale, how's it going, man? I haven't talked to you in years. I know we've had some messages uh, on social media over the years. Dale and I, uh, we served together in the Marine Corps, and we used to rent these boats off of base right there at Camp Lejeune you could go and I don't know if they still have this if somebody's still there let me know if you can still do this but they used to have these little bass boats these fiberglass bass boats and I think they had like a gosh it was only like a a 40 horsepower motor on them and they weren't super fast and uh, no bells and whistles or anything they had like a live well um, and whatnot but Anyway, we, we would go rent that thing for 75 bucks for an entire weekend. And whether that was just like a, a regular Friday through Sunday kind of rental, or if we had a long weekend, like a Memorial weekend, we called them a 96, uh, we we would get uh, the, the same deal. They, they'd give us the boat for like three or four days for, for 75 bucks. It was a smoking deal. And it was just kind of a perk, I think, a military perk or whatever, but... Uh, you just rented them on base and pulled them wherever you wanted. And Dell and I used to go rent these boats, and we'd go out and try our damnedest to be really good bass fishermen and uh, and all sorts of stuff. And we caught a few here and there, but really, what we did was ended up, you know, drinking a lot of beer and stuff, and just having a great time. He's one of my favorite fishing buddies ever, and uh, we just had a great time. He bought this really cool Chevy Blazer, I believe it was a Blazer. If I'm wrong, correct me, Dale. But uh, this old this old blazer was like a 76 or 75 or something like that right right about the time they changed the body style on them and and uh, we'd hook that old boat up and go out to all these rivers and lakes around Camp Lejeune and and just have a ball and so uh, I got a message from one of his friends that uh, said that they heard the podcast and and Dell's the one that recommended it so I just wanted to give him a shout out I haven't talked to him in years he's got a great family this dude's serving in the Marines still. Uh, he's just an all-around good American guy. I actually went to his wedding up there in, uh, gosh, where was that, Dale? Like Illinois or something? I remember there, there was just like nothing but cornfields forever. And uh, I remember the hangover driving home. So anyway, that's that, guys. Um, I want to, as we as we get kind of rolling into this, oh, you know what I was going to ask you guys listening? Uh, this is a silly question. But my kids asked me this last night, and I don't know the answer to it, so I'm hoping somebody can answer this. Have you ever heard coyotes get triggered by a siren? And so we, where we live, we have bunches and bunches and bunches of coyotes. And, you know, it's not uncommon. We hear them, we hear them day and night. We hear them all the time, not a big deal. But what we don't hear is sirens. We don't have a lot of sirens around here because we're kind of out in the woods, so you don't hear them very often. But last night, sun's kind of going down. And you can hear sirens off on on the highway. Uh, it's about a mile away from us or so, and it, it was real faint. But um, 
my kids, you know, always my, my dog, when he hears a siren, he'll, he'll howl. And, uh, we've lived in this house for, I don't know, four or five years. And we've only had the sirens loud enough for him to howl twice. So what, uh, what triggered the question is my dog Trev. He's sitting there looking like he's about to howl, but they just quite they weren't quite loud enough or whatever, so they didn't. So the kids asked me, "Will the will the sirens make uh, coyotes howl?" And I, I said, "You know, most likely they probably do, but I've never experienced it myself. So I'm just curious if you guys have ever heard sirens trigger, triggering a coyote to howl." So if you do, or if you got footage of it or something, send it to me. Just let me know. I want to be able to like kind of you know be honest with my kids and let them know I I, I figured it out, man. <laughs> so they uh, they're super they're super interested in in all things outdoors. So I love those kind of questions and uh, and uh, yeah, just let me know. Jim at thewesternhuntsman.com. Let me know if you've ever heard uh, coyotes howling the sirens. So all right, guys. Today's guest, um, his name is Brett Surplus. And Brett is like, uh, he's a guy that started a, a company called Real Sportsman's TV and Real Sportsman's Media. And real is spelled R-E-E-L, like a fishing reel, right? And so it, it's a cool show, too, the, the concept of the show. It's not just like like you see a lot of hunting television that where, you know, they're like sitting in a deer stand on a farm where they know they have a name for every whitetail buck and blah, blah, blah. And it's just kind of always the same predictable model where they just kind of sit there. There's a couple of challenges, maybe a weather, whatever. And then finally, at the end of the show, the big buck walks in, they whack it with a bow or whatever or, or gun. And, and uh, that's that. That's your episode. Right. And, and like a whole ton of ads playing um, throughout. So uh, this this show's not like that, uh, obviously, for two reasons. A. He's in the West. You know, this isn't like a a big game farm in Ohio or Tennessee or something. Uh, this is the West, public land hunting, uh, that kind of stuff, and fishing. Uh, the the second the sec the second aspect of it. I promise I'm I've, I've promised this before, but I'm not day drinking. Man, I can't spit it out sometimes. What an what what kind of idiot gets on a podcast and stutters his way through the intro? <laughs> That's me, and proud of it. Anyway, so he starts this show. And it's it's really focused on taking people that have some kind of challenge or disability out. Um, one of the episodes, he's got a, a kid that was shot in the face and lost his eyesight, and he takes him out hunting uh, or, or fishing. I can't actually I can't remember if he, they were hunting or fishing on that episode, but either way, uh, Brett wanted like a different focus and a different mission, a, a mission with a purpose, right, for this television show. And so it's really unique uh, by nature. It's not all just about Brett going out there hunting and fishing and doing all these things. And it's it's not focused on on the host, which is really unique when when we're talking about television. I'm not talking about the YouTube series that are super authentic and, and are, are filmed out there on the mountain as as they go. That's not what I'm talking. I'm talking about television type networks and shows. So Brett, um, he also is he, you know he's well known in in North Idaho. And he started a group here called the Panhandle Band of Brothers and, and a couple of different things that he's been organizing. And uh, because of all this stuff that he's been involved with, he's been asked to run for Dist- District 3 Idaho State Senate. Uh, and, and I want you guys to know, as the episode is coming up, this is not like a campaign episode or a political uh, campaign ad or anything like that. It's, it's nothing like that. In fact, we, we, we 
barely touch on uh, like the campaign and, and what he what he's even you know trying to accomplish and things like that. But he's like a write-in candidate for District Three. So uh, anyway, the point to that is is you know if you're not if you're listening to this, you're not in North Idaho and don't care about the politics here. Don't sweat it. That's really not what this episode is about. We talk about all sorts of shit. And, and when I say all sorts of shit, I mean we, we bounce all over the place. And some of the things that I say and Brett says, I think that it, you know, it could easily be considered controversial. And I, you know, from my, my standpoint, it's not controversial. The political climate these days is, is really interesting and it's really disappointing, to be honest with you. Um, and, and I want to touch on that real quick before we get to Brett's, uh, Brett's interview here. Because it, it's important that I think people maybe hear a message about how things have developed, and especially since like Trump has been elected, right? There's so much hate, and there's so much disdain, and there's so much division, and, and people are getting to the point in which they feel like it's okay to destroy personal relationships over political beliefs. And I'll tell you something, I've had personal relationships destroyed over politics, and I uh, now, and that said, I used to be a lot more vocal about politics, and and so were they, and we we didn't see eye to eye. The difference was, is in my opinion, political belief systems should not, they should be ir- irrelevant in a sense of personal relationships. Politics are something that is has always been taboo to talk about. That, that there's, I, I think there's even a country song. Never talk about politics, religion, and her, meaning his ex-girlfriend or whatever. And I think that that's wrong. That's a wrong notion because we should talk about these things. It should be a discussion that we have. And, and I'm talking about with reasonable people. I'm not talking about the extremists out there, and you know who they are, and they're real prevalent on the on the left. These uber ultra offended, highly freaking loony liberal Hollywood types that are offended by everything, that act like if you don't agree with them, then you are somehow the bigot. That uh, this this cancel culture. And and get rid of the the Washington Redskins name, which is just absolutely pathetic as a stance, as if that name is somehow offensive to Native Americans. It's not. Ask Native Americans; they don't care. So um, it, it's that is not the kind of people I'm talking about because I don't pay any mind to them. I am talking about the regular Republican, the regular Democrat, the the people that are not so vastly different that they're they're people that are ready to essentially cut each other's throats in a, in a hypothetical way uh, over over political differences. It's it, it really shouldn't be an acceptable thing. I've had friends that I was lifelong friends with from childhood, which getting when you get up to be you know where I'm at age wise is a long time ago. These are long standing friendships that withstood the, uh, the the test of time, and now these relationships are soured because we don't see eye to eye politically. And I'm not an extremist one way or the other. In fact, sometimes I feel like I'm a man without a party because I don't subscribe to being 100 percent Republican or 100 percent Democrat or or anything like that. There are things that I very much agree with that are very much right leaning. I'm, I'm very conservative in most aspects of my life. There's a couple of things that uh, I, I wouldn't say I'm left leaning, but I'm a lot more moderate on. 
Um, and, and I think that sometimes when you look at, you know, I, I get the feeling like these Ted Cruz's and Mike Lee's type kind of Republicans that want to, want to take the public land that we have and, and transfer it to either private or state ownership, which means we no longer as the people own the land. And that's, that's wrong. That is theft. And I don't agree with that stance that a lot of these prominent Republicans have. The other side of that is I could never vote for a Democrat. There's way too much fuss and feathers about my Second Amendment rights and, and other rights and, and these large expenditures that the government and taxpayers are expected to be accountable for. I think that's BS. Both sides spend way too much of my money. And both sides spend my money inappropriately, and I disagree with it. But when you boil all that out of it, what it boils down to, and my wife and I are pretty much on the same page with this, we just want a small, effective, efficient government that stays the hell out of our way. I don't need the government to create my destiny. I don't need the government's permission to create a lifestyle that I envision for myself. I'm a grown man, and I don't want the government up in my business all the time. I just don't, and and that's that's how I feel. And and you could say, well, you're you're way conservative, Jim, and it, well, maybe you could say that. The point to what I'm trying to get at is, if you, the listener, or or anybody, you know, friends, family, uh, coworkers, anything, if you have different political beliefs than I do, that certainly does not mean that I don't value you in a relationship, as a friendship, you are still welcome to sit around my campfire and crack open a beer and we can talk about it. We could debate it. And I, I'd rather not. I'd rather talk about hunting because that's what I like to do, right? I mean, I have a hunting podcast, that's the, so that's what I do. But it, it speaks true and it holds true. Just because somebody in my family might be a Democrat or, or, or a Republican or a Libertarian or whatever, that doesn't mean that they're not invited over to my, my home for Thanksgiving dinner. We, we're still family. We, we can still love each other. We can still be friends. And, and, and what happens is the, the I, I think what has happened is social media has allowed this expansion of vitriol and hate and, and arguing and fighting and, and threatening and, and all these things that people wouldn't say in person because I guarantee you people have said things to me that if they said to, said to me in person, they would have left with a black eye. And some people need a black eye every once in a while. I've had a few black eyes in my life. Some people, some people just need a black eye because that's why they act like that. They've never had a black eye. It's disrespect. We could disagree and still be friends. We, I, let me say that again. We could disagree and still be friends. And I am proof of that. I have a lot of friends that are left-leaning Democrats. I have a lot of friends that are very far-right-leaning Republican conservatives. And I am pretty much on that side. I'm a, I'm a conservative guy. And, and that's, that's what I believe. I believe in my, my right to own a firearm. I believe in a small government. I believe in all these things. I want to be left alone. I don't, I don't even let the government educate my children. We homeschool. We and and we were firm believers in that process, and and if you if if you don't believe in those things, again, you're still welcome at my place, and I'd still shake your hand, uh, COVID nineteen or not, 
uh, we could still be friends. And I just want the message for listeners to take away as we get into this episode, which can be considered controversial by, by certain types. Somebody's going to get their, you know, their, their panties in a bunch over it. Whatever. Don't, don't sweat it. We could still be friends. It's, it's not a big deal. And so that's the message. Y- you guys, we got to consider that some people's perspectives are a direct result of the events that have happened in, in their life. Something has happened to make them believe a certain way, whether it's how they were raised or a certain event or, or certain things. You, you know, these things, these things, uh, I hate using the word trigger because of the buzzword it's become, but these things can trigger perspectives, whether it's political or non-political. And so you just can't really focus too much on that and focus more on the individual relationship you have with somebody, regardless of whether or not you agree with uh, their political belief system. I think that's important, and I think it's something that's so missing in today's society. We just don't have that anymore, and we're being overrun by these sissies out of Hollywood who have essentially demasculated our society, and, and everybody's super tough behind a keyboard. But when it comes to a face-to-face conversation, they can't man up and grow up and, and, and actually have a discussion. And then walk out of the room knowing that you disagree with each other and still be accommodating to each other and respectful to each other. That's, that's a lack of maturity. That is a total lack of maturity. Guys, I'm sorry about the rant. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went off there. And let's get into the episode because this is actually – it's a long episode with Brett. And we talk about his TV program. We talk about his run for office. We talk about different philosophies um, that uh, that we both believe in and, and share and, and some of the things that maybe we don't share. But uh, either way, Brett is my friend. Uh, I'm glad he came into the Broken Time studio and I got to get to know him. And uh, he's a super cool guy. You guys are going to really like him. He's got a lot of – uh, he's, he's just a high standards kind of guy. You know what I mean? He's just a high standards kind of guy. A lot of people could strive to be, uh, good as good as things like hunting and, t- and, and having compassion for other people and caring about people and caring about messages and, and communities and stuff like Brett. He's a leader. And I think you guys will learn a lot from getting, um, this episode under your belt. Thanks guys again for tuning in. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook and don't, bother with Twitter. Uh, the, uh, Hey, I got I do have a question real quick. If you guys know, I know I'm getting way off topic here. <laughs> what is the point of doing a story on social media? Like I see people post on both Facebook and Instagram. They're always doing these stories and I don't know what to do with those. What is the point? Can somebody answer it? I Googled it and it's like a bunch of vague BS that I don't understand. What is the point of doing a story on those uh, social media platforms? If you guys can answer that, jimatthewesternhuntsman.com. I'll send you a sticker or something, uh, to, to, and I'd appreciate it. Again, guys, welcome to this episode 31 of the Western Huntsman Podcast with Brett Surplus. Here we go. I'm here with Brett Surplus of Real Sportsman uh, Media and TV, and uh, Brett, you're like a you're like a legend in North Idaho, man. Well, I don't know about legend, but uh, probably you know I probably get my face into more things than I should, I guess. <laughs> well, 
uh, I appreciate you coming into the studio. We're here in the Broken Time studio in Hayden, and Brett has all sorts of things on his plate. Between Real Sportsman's Media, uh, he's he's running for District 3 State Senate here in Idaho. Um, you've just been all over the place lately, and so I was pretty excited to reach out and say, hey, why don't you come in for a, for a podcast, and, and you agreed, and, and here we are, man. Yeah, I appreciate you having me. Appreciate you appreciate you being here. So can you give us give us like a, a bird's-eye view uh, history on, on you, where you're from, and, and kind of walk us up into to the last couple of years or so, okay. and then we'll take it from there. Well, I'm a uh, born and raised native. Um, I think I'm about four generations going into this and uh so i've lived here my whole life of course and uh had a a family that basically was law enforcement based my dad was uh, uh a lieutenant for quarterly city police department hmm. um so i kind of after high school and and figuring you know growing up whatever what i wanted to be and started to go on that path and um so then i ended up uh, getting hired at the Shoshone County Sheriff's Office. Um, then they sent me down to the academy, did that, did it for a little while. Um, then got out of it, out of there, and then kind of did some, did some, did some guiding for a little while. And, mm-hmm. and, and you know, it was kind of, uh, uh, a little different. You know, you, you can't always pick perfect places to go work. I mean, it's, it's just kind of how it is. And yeah, it's know, never, it's never a well, and the other thing too, like when you're in in your twenties, mm-hmm. what you think you want to do for the rest of your life is not usually aligning with your thirties and forties and beyond. You know? that's <laughs> so, a, you, you're, you're definitely trying to figure. You're trying out socks. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like what what works, what you like, and then you know you you know being younger, especially being such an avid hunter, it was like okay, guiding sounds great, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, it came to be where you know you got little kids, and then I'm thinking, okay, you. You start to miss them, and then you realize, okay, this really, all this really is when it comes to guiding is just basically babysitting, and and uh, you know you're trying to produce, you know, for a client, and then it's just it's just taking care of people through the whole thing, and then you're just like you're not with your family, and then it's like you're trying to chase down money, and it uh, it's like okay, the luster seems to kind of go out a little bit, you know. Were were you guiding in Idaho? Oh yeah. And like up here in the Panhandle, or? I, I was up toward the Mallard Larkins. So, oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. so up in uh, eleven thousand elevation, yeah, you know, the high country stuff. So, and we're, we're like guiding for elk, bear. What what were you guiding for? It was for all of it, but the the time frame that I did, it was mainly elk because I was predominantly a, a good, you know, when it came to elk, I was I'm, I excel at that. Sure. And uh, so. That was the easiest part, but after you know doing so many weeks of that and then trying to chase down a paycheck, I was like, I think I'm done with this program. So yeah, (laughs) I'm out. I'd have a hard time being a guide, man. I I just I don't know if I'd have the like I I have people skills, mm -hmm. but that type of people skills, I don't. I'm not sure that I'd be great at that. You know, there's there. It's more. It's more than just being able to the ability to go and find an animal. Because what you're doing, it, you're like I said, it's babysitting. You're taking care of your client. So when they show up, it's, you know, they get off the plane. You've got to deal with make sure that their that their equipment's working. Nothing's been forgotten. Um, you're trying to figure out, you know, as far as their wants and needs, and you know, do they have any allergies? Do they have, you know, what are they, you know, you're trying because basically, if something's going to happen, you have to make sure and know. So the, the mm-hmm. generally, the first question I always ask anybody when I hunt with them is that was. Are you right-handed or left-handed? 
And they, you know, people look at you funny, and it's like, but the reality of it is, is that if they get separated, they get lost of how which way they go in circles. Oh, really? That's right. I didn't know that. Yep. So it's uh, that's why it always, anytime I'm hunting with anybody, I ask them flat out, you right-handed or left-handed, because that's predominantly which way they're going to turn around and they're going to walk in circles so when they're lost. They're they're left-handed, say, mm-hmm. and they'll start doing like circles to the left. Yep. And then. What about, is that why when I go into a grocery store, I always go to the right because I'm right-handed? Mm-hmm. Is that why? Because I've gone with people and they always want to go to the left. Yep. It's how yeah. your brain functions. Huh. And uh, it was just, these are just tips and things that I got from people who, you know, that were really good guides, you know. And, and uh, so at first I kind of was like, really? And then it, it's true fact. And so. No kidding. Yeah. I'm going to use that now. Yeah. I got a cousin that gets lost real easy. It's that's one of the best questions you could ever ask anybody when you're hunting, because that way you can kind of somewhat narrow down as far as a pattern. If something were to occur, you have this in your mind going, okay, I know for a fact he's left-handed or right-handed and then go from there. Going around. Huh? That's super interesting. I'm, I'm like, I'm thinking of a, specific time and i'm trying to think of what way he went i can't i can't i don't even know if he's left or right handed actually so it doesn't matter (laughs) right (laughs) but no that's great so i want to let's dive into this uh real sportsman's uh or real sportsman media Mm -hmm. and and the tv show okay yeah let's where where did it all come where where did you come up with the idea to come up with this uh the real sportsman media You, you obviously were were passionate about media and, and video and filming and all that Actually, kind of stuff. Actually, I wasn't. Oh, it you was, weren't? No. It uh, Ironically, about seven years ago, uh, well, I guess it'd be a little longer than that. I had a, a, a company before that that I kind of do, I started to get creative. It's just this whole creative side, designing mm-hmm. uh, logos. and uh, I had a company called Yellow Jacket. And so that started in the kind of the, you know, the uh, I put it in the MMA world, the motocross and, and – uh, uh, I was trying to do a hunting line too, and it's weird because there'll be times where I'll have an idea and something will just come to me, or I'll have it in a dream, and mm-hmm. all of a sudden I just automatically I shut everything out and then I go and I pursue it and I look, you know, find out is there anything like it? Is there anything remotely close? Um, so um, while I had this yellow jacket logo, which was kind of that tribal uh, looking. It was, it was wicked, you know, but everything mm-hmm. kept kind of evolving. But the industries that they were in, it was more of a, you know, you're paying more than, and people are always constantly trying to like, you know, wanting to, you know, have you rep their stuff and you're paying for it than as far as the intake is concerned. So I wanted to be in the markets where it's like, okay, I want to be able to actually make a living at this. So, you know, I started really looking at as far as like the hunting line stuff and, it ended up being to where it's just too much money, uh, you know. And then you start looking at as far as the market, you know, that everybody who's trying to have their own camo line, um, it's so much work. And then as far as the pattern, and then the the minimum order quantity to have something manufactured is huge. So you're, I mean, unless you have a big bank account, good, you're not going to have a very good time trying to do it. Yeah, you need like investors. And, well, exactly. Yeah. And so um, I remember. I had uh, I was sleeping and I, I think it, it was probably about five six o'clock in the morning and I just I was having this dream and it was it was so weird because I had I had visions of my grandfather who had passed and he was you know pretty prominent in my life and uh, but for some reason I saw his vision and I had this all of a sudden it went to this this game bag 
And this game bag, it was bright orange. It had straps. Person was carrying it on their back. And I'm like, it, it was just like, it was just an epiphany hmm. of what I was actually seeing. So it's like, it, it shot me up out of bed. And all of a sudden, I start just drawing. And so I'm like trying to figure this whole thing out. When you say game bag, you, you're talking like meat pack. I'm bags, talking about yeah. a quarter bag. Yeah, like a quarter bag. That's right. Yeah, gotcha. And so, um, so immediately I just I get off social media and I do my typical thing. I just I start to go through and I, I I hunt for about two days. I went through the USTPO trying to figure out as far as whether there was anything patent on it or whatnot, and there wasn't. And so, geez, man, you're like a writer. Oh, you, you know, like that because I I write and I'll get something that'll wake mm-hmm. me up and I will I will literally get out of bed and start writing. Yeah, and I'll work on it. So that's interesting. It's you have to shut yourself off from yeah. everybody else. You do, and, you do. The distractions will destroy your creativity. They you, know, you know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. And and then you have to have the drive. It's like you have to go and make it happen. It's like, I mean, how many times have you asked yourself or said something or heard somebody say? Oh, I, I thought of that years ago or whatever, and somebody else is making millions on it because mm-hmm. you didn't put the foot forward. And so that's what I did, and I, I got to thinking. It's like I'm looking at these as far as this game bag, and so I look at it as from a hunter's perspective. Every game bag that's ever been manufactured, there's mates done by duck cloth, and it's white or it's khaki. And so if you think about it, why would we put something tan and khaki and white on our backs, especially during rifle season, where, I mean, get grace, it's going to get soaked up with, as far as blood and stuff like that, but it only takes a certain part for it to be, you know, be seen through the brush or whatever, and we know mm-hmm. people are not perfect. But the biggest thing of, of it was is that it had the straps on it. And so for me as a hunter, you know, it's kind of – you have half the population who, who doesn't bring pack frames when they hunt, especially a lot of bow hunters and whatnot. They don't bring the big items. They leave them at camp or in their truck and whatever else. And so generally as hunters, when you, you're always going to hunt with somebody. And so what ends up happening? One guy starts to cut up and he starts to go ahead and, and get things processed. And the other guy's he- heading back empty-handed to go get a pack for, you know, get yeah, the pack frame. a couple of pack. And so you end up losing, uh, you know, from the number one, you know, loss for, for meat is bone heat. So because of time frame, it can be anywhere from 20 minutes to an over an hour for someone to come back, you know. And then so you've got all this this type of, of loss yeah, that you yeah. potentially can do where you can get it cheaper or you can get it out sooner. So this game bag was actually meant for it's like it's a it's a first purpose haul out where basically that person if they still were choosing not to bring a a, a pack frame freighter pack yeah. they're not walking out empty-handed now you're walking out with either a front shoulder or even if you had a, a hind quarter or whatever so now you've just reduced the time and if you got two guys or let's say even three guys now if two of them are huffing it out they yeah. got, you've now you've cut down the time frame to where that meat's going to be cooled down. So it's not built for comfort. It's not built to keep you clean. I mean, we're hunters. We don't care. Yeah. You know, but for twenty nine ninety five, you've just went ahead and saved yourself a whole bunch of time to do and it. Potentially a lot of meat. Exactly yeah. right. And, and there's people who bone it out. So then you can you can you can do it for that reason. But like I said, it's not structurally built to where it's all of a sudden it's a big support thing. It's a it, this thing folds up into a, a small tube where you can have it in 
a regular backpack. Well, let me ask you this. So for a guy like like me mm-hmm. that I I don't go into the woods without my mm-hmm. my frame pack, right? Mm-hmm. I, I've I've always got it. Can I put one of these in my pack? Oh yeah. You get something down, and then um, I don't necessarily need to wear it, right? Mm-hmm. You can just I can just attach it to my pack That's like right. usual. Because I mean, I, you said 20 minutes to an hour, man. I'd be yep. I'd be four hours of oh, yeah. lost time if I had to leave my pack in the truck. Yeah. What's up, my phone? I better turn it on. I I just pulled a big no-no, man. And <laughs> didn't turn my phone off here. There we go. Yeah, it's you know there's because you you have some guys that you know they'll sit there and they'll make the comments about oh you're not a responsible hunter or whatever. Well, you know what? Not everybody hunts the same way. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's also ones where you, you shoot something and it goes down into the canyon or whatever um, to where let's say it's even a deer or whatever, and they don't want to drag that whole thing out. From the whole thing, so they're they're going to go ahead. And they're going to bone it out and leave everything what they can out of there. With this, you can put everything in it, and it's got a it's got a cinch rope on it. It's got three eyelets that are in it. So if you wanted to hang it in the trees, if you needed to, you could. Um, so these are still available. There, I'm actually I've had this. This is the funny part. This is why everybody's frustrated because I've had so many people that have wanted to invest, and because they you know they they see the bigger picture with this thing. Uh, but I've had my hands in so many fires that I. I had the sample, the, the prototype done. <laughs> I know, I know what you mean. <laughs> and then I didn't, I didn't, I didn't go and put. Um, I, I, I haven't gone and, and went and uh, um, you know got the manufacturing. So now, right now, actually, the manufacturers are now we're working on as far as order. So because of the coronavirus and everything that's gone on, I mean, I probably won't get the first order here until October. But they will finally, after seven years of me owning this patent. Um, will be available on the market. Oh, sweet. So, so you do have a patent on it. Oh, so, yeah. It's, okay. pat- it's been patented. And, and, you got any prototypes I can I can try out? Under I the- actually had to send the prototype back down to the manufacturer for the measurements and for the oh. material because it's been so long that they didn't keep the, the Oh, notes. they didn't keep the data. They yeah. didn't keep the data. Yeah. So, and the company that I use, is, it's huge. They, they deal with all the big, big ones. And they typically won't deal with anybody unless they're the big stuff. But because of what the product is, they're like, mm, yeah, we can see ourselves. We'll get in on that. We can yeah, see yeah. ourselves doing a lot of these. So, so what's it called? Uh, we call it the hoof hauler. The hoof hauler. Yeah, I like it. So it uh, it it was gonna come in a regular package, but then I kind of uh, this year I was just saying I'm like you know it would be really beneficial if that thing because it can just fold right up. It's so lightweight mm-hmm. um, that it just be in like what you would find in a you know like a tent stake packaging. Yeah, it's got a little yeah. cinch on it. You can throw it in there. It's you know <clears throat> not a big deal. Um, so when it to, so back to as far as the whole media thing. My thought was, you know, I was thinking, okay, I'm going to get this product out there. How can I go ahead and get it out there? It's, you know, everybody putting products on TV and then commercials and stuff. So I was looking as far as what the dollar amount was. And I'm like, you know, instead of me paying to have these things put on shows, most products have their own show. So why not have our own show where, where I can go ahead and I can display our own product and then have our own commercials on there. And that's the way of marketing wise. Um, so as I was going through on the shows, cause I have friends who have their own TV shows. So I'm friends with guys from like bone cold TV and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. so I, I had a good relationship. And so I was talking to Chad Faulkner and stuff and, and he's like, well, here's, here's how you do it, you know? And so basically I kept looking at the shows and I'm like, you know, th- these shows are all the same. 
Uh-huh. The show is, and no, this is no offense to anybody, but I mean, realistically, I mean, no matter how you slice it, it's almost a, it's a narcissistic. Look at me, look at how big my animal, the animals are, and so that's why you start to see a lot of these shows that are going down because they're making mistakes because they've focused only solely on the size of the animal, mm-hmm. having the shot on camera. I mean, look at uh, what's his face. A couple of them have went down. Because of bad decisions, like on on the the corporate television type yeah, channels. Yeah, yeah. You know, no, I I stopped watching those years ago. Yeah, years and, ago. And so, and then you know, I start to hear you know you, so you get in the industry and you start to hear about all of the bad things that are actually happening. That these that some of these people people that that you that most idolize, mm-hmm. and it's like you got wasteful game where they're they're throwing stuff, and it's like all the things that we are against, these people are actually doing. And so it was like, okay, I don't want to have the same type of show because all you really are is you're you're 21 minutes and 30 seconds, no different than the other guy to yeah. the next one to come on. And it became this thing where if you've seen one, you've seen them all. Exactly. And, and honestly, they were a lot of them. And no offense to the guys back east, mm-hmm. but but a lot of them were just. They're, they're sitting in a tree stand in a field where they're essentially baiting these deer, these right. big whitetail in. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, it just kind of gets boring. It's And it's so different from what we experience out west yep. that it just isn't my thing. Yep. You know, and so I haven't watched them in years. Yeah, and that's and that's pretty much what I saw. You know, for the most part, it's like, okay, if they had to come out to different states, they're always doing it with a guide. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it's like, okay, you have to have a guide because you can't actually go out into our into these timbers or whatever and actually get and produce the same show. Yeah, yeah. Try that off a farm. Right. You can't. <laughs> and yeah. so for me, it was like, okay, I want to make something that's not about myself. And so I was trying to debate, and uh, ironically, um, I went out one morning. It was it was summer morning, and I had my grandfather's 1969 Sea King boat. And this is passed on to me from, you know, the yeah, family. Yeah. But I grew up on fishing on this boat. And so I'd go out, you know, Higgins and do, you know, kokanee fishing. And so I'm coming back and I'm coming into uh, to Higgins there. And I, and I, something catches my eye at the dock uh, that someone's, un, you know, unloading a boat. And I couldn't really figure out what I was looking at. And all I see is this hop and I'm like, what, what? What? The dude I, on the dock yeah, was hopping. Right. Well, no, it was in front of the boat. So I see the boat, but I keep seeing this person bobbing oh, up oh, in oh, front. Gotcha. You know. Yeah. And because I'm I'm coming up from the back, to, and so I and so I tied up, and I realize I'm what I'm looking at, and there's this this guy who's got one arm and one leg on his right side, his left side. I think his left side, right side, and his wife's got the rope, and I'm watching him unload this boat and they're doing it like clockwork i mean it was just amazing and this guy he's got one waiter on and he's hopping in the water and he's undoing his boat and it was just that that point it hit me i'm like nobody's doing a show on people who've been through tragedies and then how they're they're moving on with life with the new disabilities and still being sportsmen and going out there and doing it yeah and so I knew right then and there. And it, this this was all, it was God, 100%. This was God saying, I want to introduce you to Tim Scott. And that's, and that's how it started. And I had no idea that Tim was a pastor. And so 
I I met up with him and at the duck and I'm like that's just and I got to you know you and I have to we have to talk we have to I I want to know more about your story and so I would see him <clears throat> at certain times and whatnot and I bug him I'm like hey we need to do a show together and he's just like oh sure sure you know thinking that I was never gonna you know because people who have, <laughs> have said hey we should do this or whatever and then they don't fulfill they don't come through all the time yeah. and so uh, I kept bugging him so I saw him on a on a at a cross section. Up by his house, and and uh, I'm like, hey, we seriously need to, we need to do it. And so he's like, okay, you know. And so he gave me the the faith that we we're gonna do it. And so uh, I ended up, um, I got with um, a friend of mine, Scott uh, Stephen, and I'm like, you know, I want to put, this is how I want the show to be, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Stephen Johnson was just. I mean, when it comes to, to Ponderay, he's just a guru when it comes to fishing. And, I mean, the guy's just, I mean, he's well more knowledgeable than I am when it came to this thing. And, um, and but his character was just he, just awesome. Just, huh. I mean, just, I knew, you know that when you have, when you look at people who's personable as far as, if the personality of people are going to, they're going to like them. If America and the world's going to take to them and that, that they're memorable. Mm-hmm. And so, and it was that then he's like, Hey, I got somebody else. That I think that we could, that I think would be really beneficial to the show that, that I think would be a perfect fit. And that was Jim Gaffney. And, uh, so I met with Jim and what, and it was like, I instantly knew I'm like, this guy's got a heart of gold. I mean, he's just, I mean, he's, he's about people and, and, uh, you know, not about himself whatsoever. And I'm like, man, I got this, I have this awesome, this awesome network of, of people to put this show together. So we just, we, we just started, you know, flat out going and it was just, things were going well for us. I mean, it was like, God was just basically just guiding this thing and things were happening. I mean, just uh, the first episodes were just crazy. I mean, it was just, uh, like in terms of how it took off and the, it, yeah, the viewers and all that. Well, I mean, with that, but it's like you know, you're always trying to you want to produce on a show. Mm-hmm. You know, you, it's like that's the ultimate thing. Is it's not only because the show itself, what we do in the beginning is I bring the first portion, uh, the first half or first, I would say the first before commercial break. It's the uh, it's the reenactments of what happened to this person. So it's not just them talking about it. I show them. I show people what happened. That to way, get them into the that's right. position that it, they're in. That's yeah. right. That way they get that feel with the person. So it, it, so when we go out, it's not about as far as the size, whatever. The, the viewers, they just want to see him do it. They just yeah. want to see him catch it. And so there was all these different things that were happening in our community that had taken place. And it was like the stories were just popping. And uh, like we had uh, Jade Hardo, the 13-year-old kid that um, had accidentally been shot with the shotgun. Uh, it was an accidental dis. Uh, dis- Discharge, discharge there. and uh, so it took both of his eyes and and part of his skull and and uh, so um, gosh yeah I remember when that happened yeah so and that was crazy because I ended up um, I remember seeing on Facebook uh, his mom you know because he had to have this plastic uh, portion of his uh, skull cap put in and I knew he was over at Sacred Heart and I was like you know I want to I want to bring this kid some stuff you know I know mm-hmm. he's an outdoor thing whatever so. I went over there, and, and Stephen's wife uh, was with me, and, and uh, we went over there to go and 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 see him and, and bring him some hats and stuff. And so, 
And at that point, I hadn't really read everything about it, so I had no idea that his eyes were gone. I just knew as far as the whole his skull portion yeah. of it. So I didn't know that his eyes were gone. So I we show up in the hospital, and there's no cameras, nothing like that. And so I just bring him a goodie bag, get some hats and stuff like that, and uh, I can notice that he's kind of you know he's feeling around or whatever. And so he'd opened his eyes, and there was these uh, it. Something was different about it or whatever. And then, but that's, and then all of a sudden he, he pops these things out and they look like, you know, you ever seen those little rubber stoppers that your kids play with that you push mm-hmm. and they pop up off the table? Yeah. These yeah. flippers. And that's what they were. And I was like, oh, wow. I was just blown away. I'm like, here's that's got crazy. empty sockets and everything. And I, and so then I was just like, whoa, you know, I, I, I didn't, the magnitude. And so I asked him, I said, uh, hey, would you, would you like to come fishing with us? And he was, all about it you know all sorts of excited yeah yeah so finally the you know his 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 uh brain bleeds that had it finally had dissipated and he was getting better and stuff and and uh so i got at that point um i ended up um a friend of mine from high school mark roberts uh he messaged me he's like hey he goes if you ever want to do anything he says i'll be more than happy to to help out me and, and stephanie will we're, we're right there 100 percent. i like what you're doing and and we would love to be able to help and and so mark he runs a lot of this as far as the clearwater snake river and stuff so he does the sturgeon and the salmon and the steelhead and stuff like that and i'm like okay so we got a different species and whatnot and he's got you know really not awesome jet boat and mm-hmm. and and i had never <clears throat> been down and done it and i'm like that would be I would just love to film it, you know. So mm-hmm. yeah. So I, we call up, uh, you know, uh, Jade's mom and whatnot, and so we we ended up going down there and did two trips. So here, I mean, the irony of the whole thing is we had a blind kid on a blind fish, and uh, the whole, I mean, the nice thing was being able to split him into two different episodes because yeah. we needed to get some length, but um, just being able to, and then of course with his brother, I mean, there was a there was a lot, you know, that his brother was going through because I mean, he, you know, he felt a lot of responsibility for what had what had taken place, and that was a hard thing for him, mm. you know. And he's such a good kid, you know, and uh, so it was nice because of the fact that we actually he he came and he talked about it on the show. It was the first time he'd actually ever talked about it because he wasn't he no wasn't talking, he wasn't talking to nobody. And his mm. mom and dad were like, yeah, he won't talk to the the counselors and stuff like that but you know how i i was with them it was it was like hey you know uh things happen in life and people people make mistakes and not nothing's ever intentional people don't intend to do something i mean people misfire guns all the time it happens and yeah. anybody who says it doesn't's a liar because it does um and so it just kind of gave him it made him feel better. You can see that kind of that little bit of weight lifting off his shoulders, and so he just—I mean, it was first time—kind of loosened him up a little loosened bit. Loosened right? him up, and and uh, and then his dad—I mean, his dad was there on the on the um, his dad was there on the first trip, and so then uh, when we had to go back and do the second trip, uh, we had his mom and his stepdad. So we kind of had this whole family thing going. It was really really great, and. Uh, so by the end of the show, it uh, which everybody sees on on the show, um, you know, here we've got, I, you know, I was talking with Mark, and I'm like, you know, we've got being 13 and now 14 at the time, and I said, uh, you know, this he's never going to be able to drive a, a rig, you know, like a normal kid, you know, on certain things, and Mark's like, well, he's going to drive this jet boat, and 
you can watch the end of the show, the look <laughs> on his face, feeling the power, full throttle. What episode is that? That was on episode, uh, <coughs> I think that one's episode five. <clears throat> and guys, if you're listening, uh, you can get on realsportsmantv.com and just click on the episodes tab. And uh, so uh, probably this one here. Yeah, that okay. was right. Yeah, I'm going I'm to save that. Yeah, so Let's, it was just, we had a lot of uh, you know diversity stuff. We had uh, We had some... I had some a uh, friend that I had met who was an Iraqi interpreter, um, and him and another guy. So they were basically they're like brothers pretty much, and so they were getting you know they're now from they now live here uh, because they they helped the military as far as you know yeah. during the operations and whatnot. And these guys, one of them actually, he took some shrapnel to the to the shins, and he was he was actually saving a uh, one of our American soldiers from when they had a IED go off, and so he. So he's he he was an interpreter in Iraq. Both of them and, were, and now they live here yep. in North Idaho. Mm-hmm. Wow. And cool. so and they just they just dig the sportsman stuff. So he's like, I'd be interested in talking to those guys. Oh, I, he would love it. He's I, a talker. I was, I was in Iraq. And oh I, yeah. I hadn't. We had interpreters and everything. And so, so you know, I'd be I'd be interested in talking to that guy. They they they're both those guys. Sorry. Yeah, they're 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 both fantastic, good friends. Huh. And uh, I mean, they're so now all they all, all Amir House all he thinks about is fishing and hunting. Oh he's, really? Oh yeah. He just wants to he wants to try each one and 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 try to do it and and you know eating it and stuff. But. What a dynamic. To oh, yeah. think, you know, I when when I think about the interpreters and mm-hmm. and some of the locals that uh, when I was in Iraq, you know, we we would I remember there was this one town we were in, and this so I'm in the very beginning, mm-hmm. the, the the whole initial invasion to Baghdad. That's what I did mm-hmm. uh, with, with with the Marines, and and we're in this town, and this guy that was um, an Iraqi high school. English teacher mm-hmm. spoke English. Invited us, me and my uh, my squad leader and my platoon commander, over to like it was like this, um, not not a uh, official meeting, but they they basically sat on the ground in a circle and discussed things going on in their community. It was kind of like the 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 community leaders getting mm-hmm. together, right? And they were serving up this uh, really hot weird tasting tea and it tasted like shit but it was offensive to not drink it right and so i'm chugging it trying to just drink this stuff and and just trying to like force it down and it was terrible but uh you you get to know them it's it was it was a weird element because here we are we're in this this war Mm -hmm. and we're moving from kuwait trying to get to baghdad as fast as we can and 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 you know all this stuff is going on and then to sit down, you don't pay a lot of mind to the locals, mm-hmm. but to, to sit down and get that human aspect and the human element mm-hmm. from these people yeah. and, and learn about them and, and, and have conversations and talk about them raising their kids versus us raising our kids That's and our right. wives and our girlfriends back home and all the, all the stuff that is just normally – without it, I would have never mm-hmm. in my wildest dreams had a conversation with a bunch of community leaders in a in a small Iraqi mm-hmm. village, basically is right. what it was, you know. And, and that was the goal of our show is because we wanted to show, okay, this isn't just because you're watching the media. This is not how they are. Yeah. And you you're gonna have those pockets no matter where you go in a country. I mean, it's no different than if we were being invaded. What would we do? Of course yeah. we would. Of course we would go ahead and do our thing. Yeah. But um, these guys, I mean, the first time I had met him, he's like, don't worry about it. He's like, I drink beer and eat bacon, you know. And, we, of course, just we <laughs> laughed, you know. And, and uh, you know, he likes trying foods, uh, Amir does. And, uh, but Bisher, it's like, 
what, you know, there's a lot, there's humor in the show, and they're hilarious. And I want, I want to, I want to meet these guys. Oh, you would, you would have a good time with them. I okay. mean, they are, they're hilarious. We, we're going to talk about that yeah, later. We took them out. We had them out for twice, and uh, <clears throat> we just, we had such a good time. And uh, but, you know, he'll call me, and he's like, hey, like last year. He goes, hey, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna try. You know, I want to try get an elk. And you know, he's like, what can you, you tell me? And he just gotten off work, and because uh, he he does. Uh, he, that's one thing he got training in the military uh, through the U.S. government as far as doing like you know, uh, uh, AC and you know the uh, hot water tanks and oh, like HVAC yeah. kind of you know yeah, mechanical so, kind of things. So, right. So yeah. he works for one of the, one of the appliance uh, companies here in town, and uh, um, so. But that's what he does. He's really good at it. Yeah. And so, uh, but he's like, hey, I got off work, whatever. I want to go try and, and go kill an elk. And so <laughs> we so we talked for about 20 minutes, and I'm giving him tips what he should be doing. And so he, he goes up to this one spot, and he's, he's met up on the trail, and these two guys are coming out. And they're trying to, you can tell they're talking to him, like trying to deter him, like, oh, yeah, there's nothing yeah. down there, blah, 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 whatever. And so he's like, well, I'm just gonna go down and just check, just in case, you know. So they go, they go out, and uh, and this is this is rifle season, you know. And so he starts to go down as far as his trail, and he hears a snap, and all of a sudden, there's this cow that comes coming down the thing, and so he waits, and he, it's bulls only, you know. Uh-huh. And so next thing you know. Here comes this big six-point bull. What? And not kidding you. No way. And freaks him out. It's the first time he's ever seen an elk in the wild. You know, I mean, it's like, you know, being that close. And, Jeez. And so he ends up, he ends up, and he's a, he's a heck of a shot. And he yeah. ended up taking that thing down, and then he called uh, Bisher, and, and they had a bunch of his brother and everything else came out there, and they, they were spent 2, 3 o'clock in the morning packing that thing packing out. Packing that bad boy And he out, called man. me out, and he goes, those things are so big, <laughs> but you know. So oh, that's it, fantastic! It man. is. I, it, I just how, why? How does that always happen? Like yeah. these dudes are, are are ladies that have never yep. gone hunting. Mm-hmm. They get out there and 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 it yep. just happenstance a big six point bull walks. Yep. That has never happened to me. No, it has and never been that, that easy have for hunted me. for years. That yeah. have never. But you know, he listened to as far as what my advice was, and as far as. You know, when it came down to temperatures on, you know, checking temperatures on hillsides and as far as draft and stuff like that, and it paid off. And hmm. so, and be, he didn't get discouraged because somebody else told him, "Don't, you know, there's nothing down there." Because he just he knew. He just he just thought, well, you know, I'm already here, um, and it's going to be getting dark, so I might as well just make go go check out a new area anyway. Yeah. So yeah. and that's what it was. It was a new area. It was a road he decided to go ahead and check out that he'd never been on. So God, that's fantastic. It is. So and in this season, we I ended up taking him. Uh, uh, he want he's like now I I got to I have to shoot a whitetail, and so I I took mm-hmm. him on that, and then we we've got some other stuff that we we took him on, and so we just basically trying to build up that. So the, this season you'll see uh when it airs the you know us putting more into his into his his gurney sack as far as uh things for hunting wise that, that's cool yeah he's that's getting super his, he's cool, getting his built i'm glad you did that yeah. and helped that guy out that, that's that's super fantastic when does the season start uh you know the covid kind of kicked us back so we're trying to i had when i was filming for fall of 2019 we ended up i had i had actually had it was it started out rough i had three that were actually that uh, we started to film on certain stuff and then things happened and all of a sudden they ended up backing out. So it was like, it just ended up being a nightmare. So I'm still trying to film 
get the rest of season two filmed and done so that we can get it put out there because we would have Man. typically been airing by now uh july 1st normally is what our, oh our, gotcha so but now it's gotcha. been pushed back because of the whole COVID. we couldn't even we went over to you know one of the dowels to do an episode with the dowels um at, you know and chamber of commerce and stuff like that and so we're it's trying to get into places that we had scheduled that we couldn't get into because their mandates were different and yeah so yeah, yeah. everything's i know this stupid covid man has oh. affected so many things but I, I tell you what if you ever need an episode of how not to hunt yeah send a cameraman with me man I'll, I'll get, I'll, <laughs> I, it'll be a hell of an episode that's that's, that's, <laughs> like, that's like hunting with me i guess pretty much <laughs> Guys, I want to spend just a couple of minutes talking about who makes this show possible. Scree, Extreme Mountain Gear. This is high-performance hunting attire and gear, scientifically tested camo patterns, and it's all backed by a great company that I wouldn't recommend to you if I didn't truly believe in it. The name Scree kind of has a, an origin out of the Scree rock. They changed the spelling on it, but that rock found at the bottom of rock faces and cliffs, particularly in high elevations, real rugged type kind of country. Uh, I've been using Scree... For uh, all spring for, for Baron Turkey, and I'm really impressed with it. I had the founder on a few episodes back, and he said something that really struck me. He wanted to produce high-performance hunting gear, but at a responsible price. It's a real interesting term, and it's true. Everybody knows you can drop a small fortune on name-brand hunting attire. But with Scree, you get the name brand, you get high-performance hunting gear, a lifetime warranty, VIP sizing guarantee, which it doesn't cost you anything to exchange the gear if it comes in the wrong size, and very effective concealment patterns, all without breaking the bank. I really like the bundle options, especially the Elite Starter Bundle. It's like a really good deal, perfect for September and October hunts all over the American West. Uh, you should check it out. It's a great way to get started in the gear and, and begin with your layering systems. Uh, Scree offers a complete layering system for all terrains and all conditions. And it's it's just a great deal, especially, again, that, that Elite Starter Bundle. Oh, and if you use the promo code the Western Huntsman at checkout, you'll get 15% off and free shipping. That's a big deal. Great gear, great company. It's a great story. It's a whole package. Check it out. The link is in the show notes, guys. Phelps Game Calls. One thing I love about the companies born out of hunting is their story. The American success story that walks us through how something started small and grew into something spectacular. Phelps Game Calls is quintessential to this. Jason Phelps started making calls as a hobby in 2009, wanting to make a more realistic sounding, right? Now, 11 years later, Phelps is one of the premier hunting call companies on the planet and for good reason. It's a great story, and Phelps is just filled, it's one of those companies that is just filled with excellent, first-class, salt-of-the-earth kind of people. I've been calling elk with, uh, with Phelps for a long time, uh, and long enough to know that it's an effective, realistic, it's a durable, and easy-to-use call. I gave my teenager a Phelps read last summer to learn on, uh, before September, you know, and like a month later, she was bugling bulls in with me. It's the same exact read I use as an advanced caller, so they're great for beginners and advanced callers as well. So I'm a huge fan of the Phelps game, uh, elk calls, but I also use their predator calls. The fawn in distress call has been my go-to for bears this spring. I also called in a few turkeys with the black bat turkey read. They also have waterfowl calls, and they're coming out with some new deer calls. Hit up the website and check it out. The link's in the show notes. And if you find something you like, use promo code HUNTSMAN10 for 10% off. Whether you're just getting started or have expert level calling skills, check them out. 
Phelps. Get them close. And this, uh, so so you've got season one out, mm-hmm. and it looks like there's like seven episodes here. Yep. Um, what are these available things on the website here? Those are for. Uh, oh, those are for sponsorships. For sponsors, yeah. yeah. I see. Yeah, so we get uh, we, we got to get the Western Huntsman on there. There right you there. go. You'll make me a hell of a deal, right? Yeah. All right, we'll we'll talk. I'm I'm always into good trade. All right, cool. Um, yeah, so you know it's just. Uh, you know, trying to that's and that's basically it. So that, and, and you know, to answer your question as far as the whole media thing, um, it ended up being so. You know, here I, I start this show, and a friend of mine who was uh, an AV guy and a video guy, uh, uh, Todd, he um, he was working at the Croc Center, and he did a lot of their productional stuff and stuff like that. And so I kind of convinced him. I'm like, hey, I need you to do. He's like, you know, yeah, okay, well, I can help you out, whatever, and. So I turned around and signed the contracts for the network. And so I was like, okay, so now we're in motion and whatever. And then um, it ended up being where there was it was getting to be so busy for him that he couldn't do it. So he calls me. He's like, hey, I, I, can't, do, I can't edit the show. Hmm. So I'm freaking out. And so I start to doing pricing and whatever, and the pricing was just you know through it's anywhere astronomical. from three, yeah three to five thousand yeah. dollars for depending upon who you went you know it's ludicrous. And I was just like, okay, I don't have that budget for that. Whatever, what am I going to do? I'm in a contract now. I've got to produce. I've got to you know the deposits paid. I got to do these you know so so I'm like, well, it looks like I'm learning how to edit. <laughs> and so I spent about two and a half months um, going through tutorials online and stuff. And then based, because I had a little bit of video work that I had done as far as editing wise, just simple drag stuff, whatever. Sure. And so I really kind of had to, I basically had to have a crash course. And so I taught myself how to do everything that you've seen in two and a half months. And no kidding. So, yeah. So. I, I just so you did up, all the editing for season one. That's right. Wow. And so, you know, I, I just would basically, I would go and I would watch different shows like Discovery Channel and things of that sort. And so I was really kind of getting the idea as far as what they were doing for like B-roll shots and, you know, how to how to basically build a story. You're, you're a storyteller. So how you, you tell that story, you've got to paint the picture. Mm-hmm. So it was it came natural to me. To be to be able to do it, and um, so I just start getting more creative. You know, you get ideas from different things and different places. You know, I mean, that's pretty much everybody robs from everybody. It's just pretty much that. You know, you get an idea. Yeah, I mean, I I, I see that, but it's like it's so overwhelming in my mind. It is. <clears throat> you know, I I because I I didn't know what the heck I was doing with these podcasts when I mm-hmm. when I started the podcast. You know, you have to go through and edit these and mm-hmm. and get the the recording software and the digital recording devices and all, all the stuff I knew nothing about. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to take that element to the next level in video mm-hmm. seems just crazy to me. I, I don't know if I could ever, it's 10 times worse. Cause I'll tell you why anybody who thinks that it, it's cool to, to have a hunting show mm-hmm. is sadly mistaken. <laughs> you, you will, I guarantee you, you will, you're no longer going to have fun when you're out hunting and fishing. Um, you end up there's so many factors between as far as audio is concerned. Wind's a factor. Um, whether there's too much, you have background music that you're going to have to deal with. You're going to have mm-hmm. extended licensing agreements that you have to do because you're going broadcast. And then 
you, not only do you, it's like you can go and film for eight to fifteen hours just to try to make. 21 minutes and 30 seconds, which is what a TV show is. Mm-hmm. And so when you send it to the network, it's in four parts. So each part is like the, the first openers, it's five minutes, 30 seconds. You got a two minute commercial break, and then you come in and you got five minutes, you got a two minute commercial break, and then you go five minutes and 30, and then another course, and then five minutes and 30 in your ending. So you have to basically have your intro and your credits. And you got to you got to compile a whole story, a whole storyboard that's not boring to people, mm-hmm. and try to get it done in 21 minutes and 30 seconds. That's nuts. It is. <laughs> and so, and then not only that, but it's like okay, so <clears throat> and from a TV perspective, then when it comes to your when you watch like you watch TV and every TV is going to be different, but they have these bars that are set. So your all of your different stuff, logos and everything, have to be within this. So it's an inch up and an inch in. To where because oh, because yeah. it, the, the aspects change, and then your audio you can't be over 6.5 dB when it comes to as far as your audio. So if you go to send it to the network and they say um, we need you to fix this, guess what? Now you're having to go in and correct uh, either the colors too bright, it pops, uh, depending upon the cameras that you use. Whether if you've used uh, you know let's say Canon product which focuses on reds versus going Panasonic which focuses on blues. And so you have you lost me like a mile ago. It's, I, I'm not doing that. So it's visual and audio, everything that can yeah. basically that can happen. That it has to be done in a right spectrum. Otherwise, when they go to cut it and put it together to broadcast it, uh-huh. it all changes. That's nuts. It, it, right. And so then, of course, it comes down to as far as what are you filming it in. So that's why we I went from the regular I get away from the 1080i portion of it and went to the 4K because then I can zoom in and then it doesn't lose any it doesn't pixelate and blur on a 1080. That's why everybody's going bigger. So you got guys that'll film in a 1080 or there's some shows that are, are filming in a 720, um, hmm. which doesn't give it any type of you know, real that crisp definition, clean definition. Kind of, yeah, right. Yeah. You're not doing anything as far as that. So, I've got a little uh, 4K tech cam over there. That's mm-hmm. about uh, the extent of my knowledge. Oh, I can I can make videos on my cell phone too. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> but it, it also comes down to the network too. If the network doesn't have the capability, if they're not pushing 4K, then everything that they're doing is airing is in 1080i. It's like Pursuit Channel when mm-hmm. we aired on Pursuit, everything's done in 1080. So, so you have to go back and like do it twice. If well, you're no, it's just it. it's the rendering. So when I go to finalize it, so I'll put the whole thing in. In I'll do basically I'll do two uh, two versions of it. I'll do a version that's in 4K that's going to be for all my digital. So like YouTube and you know let's say I want OAN or the Vimeo channels. All mm-hmm. that all that digital stuff can be done in 4K. But when it comes to broadcast. I'm now putting it like SWX and all that. It's all going to be done in 1080i because they're not pushing. Uh, you know, higher the 4K definition. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's not it's not broadcasting that way. Hmm. So you're gonna basically do two parts. So which means you're gonna end up having a whole lot of gigabytes of external hard drives and and you're having you're keeping all these things and then you got to keep stuff on file. All your the music stuff because they're gonna turn around and and they're gonna hit you with you know copyright stuff and then you got to copy and paste. You know, I know I paid for the extended licensing because they'll trigger for every song because it's registered. Yeah, yeah. So it's just it's it's not the people seem to think a lot of times when it comes to having your own your own hunting show that they think that oh oh you're getting all these things and you're making this money and you're a celebrity no you don't realize the amount of work yeah. you're working seven days a week it's exhausting you don't have fun and then you're going to be critiqued for everything that you do 
um, and then and then the size that you're doing. And so my my advice to anybody is, if you enjoy hunting and fishing, keep doing it. Don't worry about Don't the camera. <laughs> Don't worry about the camera. Yeah, yeah. At least for TV. At least for TV. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. mean, you can. It's fun to do certain stuff, but for me. I mean that's like right now after this after the second season's done I'm gonna step away for for uh, a year and and I'm gonna you know because I'm running for the the Senate portion of it so yeah we should talk about that for a minute yeah I, w- I want to talk about that because I, I think there's a lot of stuff mm-hmm. there's a big basket of stuff to unpack here okay um and the, you guys you started a group called Band of Brothers on Facebook and that's yeah. kind of where I noticed. Uh, a little bit of shift there with you with what you were because I've been following you like like I told you before we started recording we we were you know on Facebook mm-hmm. uh, friends for for some time or whatever so can you can you just kind of start with that and and give us yeah. where where are you at with all this like what happened to make you want to do all this well basically once you know the corona the corona thing came into play I mean of course you know I I pay attention as far as the news the right sources and stuff and so. I was seeing a lot of, um, you know, this animosity starting to build up between the U.S. and China. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, talking with close friends, I'm like, you know, what we really need to have, you know, if if for some reason, you know, the big if, uh, you end up having <clears throat> this bug out program where we got to go and, you know, let's say for some reason we were to get invaded not that i think that we would but i mean it's always you know after this year anything's on the yeah, table yeah you never know anything's I mean, on the you table you just never know so i cr- i created this um this little group and there's only seven people that were in it and that was my close friends and then my kids and stuff like that and so um i called it i, I titled it the panhandle band of brothers mm-hmm. and so um you know, things started to kind of escalate and whatnot as far as what was happening with the whole uh, BLM and the protests and then Spokane. And so, you know, everybody... And we're talking Black Lives Matters, not uh, Bureau of Land Management. Right. So, <laughs> so, so there's no confusion. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, you know, we started to see, you know, things that were happening in Spokane. And so then, you know, all of a sudden the word starts to trickle that, hey, there could this whole thing's planning on having some sort of deal in... in, in uh, Court Lane, yeah. and so of course you had everybody sharing his stuff that bricks are being dropped off at places, and then you know of course people. Yeah, I saw that. Like, oh, yeah. there's a pallet of bricks here. Right, yeah, and know. so it's like, okay, so you know, until you really, it's it's hard to ever really kind of get narrowed down as far as what truth and fiction and and whatnot. Mm-hmm. You know, this is there's construction going on. There is a pallet of bricks here, but it, you know, um, so. When the whole thing started to really kind of was the hotbed of social media that everybody's like, we need to stand together or whatever, I said to the couple people in the group, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to open the page up, the group, to that way we have one place for people to be able to share information to go, okay, you know, because there was, there was rumors of, you know, Riverstone stuff that was going on. There was people that were, I was getting calls like, hey, this lady, the shop owner's like freaking out because she's like seeing certain cars go by and, and they're looking weird. and it, Because we, we kind of blew right over that. But in Spokane, right next door, mm-hmm. there was like, I mean, it was mayhem mm-hmm. in the streets, right? I yep. mean, businesses were getting broken into, the riots. And this is the stuff that's just been going on all across America right. ever since 
uh, the the George Floyd incident, mm-hmm. and so the the stuff normally doesn't trickle into Idaho. Right. For the most part, we don't normally get that kind of stuff, but this thing has kind of gone crazy. Right. And I'm just trying to put it into a context for some of the listeners, because uh, we kind of we kind of bowled right over that. Yeah. Uh, but but Spokane was kind of mayhem. Right. Uh, and we're worth you know 20 30 minutes from Spokane, so. Yeah. Well, when it came down to the the whole Spokane thing, my brother called me and he's like, "Hey, you know, a uh, friend of ours, they own an Apple store." And they were worried, so they asked for help for people to go over and board up the windows and whatnot. So they ended up getting people to go over and do it. And mm-hmm. I told my brother, I'm like, you know, I wouldn't be going over there unless I was armed, you know. And so everybody's watching on the news, you know, here's Spokane County and everybody's, you know, popping tear gas and trying to get, you know. People are getting hurt. People are getting hurt. There's, you know, there's graffiti all over being sprayed on like the courthouse, uh, their toll, uh, their little toll booth that, you know, comes in Mm -hmm. for parking. You had windows being smashed. We're watching videos of all these people coming out and looting the stores. So at that point. Everybody's thinking, okay, well, there's nothing to stop them from, you know, we're only 30, we're only 30, you know, less than, we're 25 minutes away. Yep. So it was kind of that attitude of like, this isn't happening here. You know, we're not going to, we're not going to let it happen. So when they announced that they were going to go ahead and put a protest at the Winco, it was like, okay, uh, well, you know what? We'll all be down there. And so that was pretty much the mindset of everybody. And, Pretty much everybody in the community who owned a rifle and had, you know, their training stuff and for this type of event that had been waiting for years, thinking that this was going to this was going to be something that would occur. Mm-hmm. Not this specific, but the, the the reason to have to come to arms, you mm-hmm. know, to, to protect your your community, your homes and stuff like that. So um, so the, it ended up being to where, OK, I'm going to go ahead and open this page up for communication. And so I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go just down there and, and, and just kind of camp out and see who shows up and who's all coming down. Cause at that point, nobody was connected. Yeah. Whatsoever. It was all individuals. It was just people wanting to protect their community. And it's what it was. And so then it was like, it just, it was just a domino effect. You know, so and so was going down. So so and so, so so and so. So the next thing you know, you got 400 people. You know, in the community of Kootenai County, going, um, we're gonna, we're gonna protect. We're gonna ours. stop this, right. right? And I, I talked about it on one of the episodes. Yeah. That I was proud of my community, and in mm-hmm. you know Sherman Ave, right? That nobody was able to come down to Sherman Ave and create mayhem, and, mm-hmm. and over, over by the Winco, and all, all these other areas where we just weren't gonna tolerate it here in Idaho, yeah, right? And, exactly. And that's a, that's a good thing. That's yeah. a good thing. We don't have. Businesses that were destroyed by looters right. in North Idaho because of it. Yep, and and that was you know when Monday happened, it was it was kind of you know I kind of go into that cop mode kind of thing. So I was looking around, and I'm like, okay, well, why would you pick Winco? You know, mm-hmm. there was all these different <clears throat> posts that were going on talking about white Mercedes that were going to show up. Yeah, I was stuff. seeing those. You know, <laughs> it, it was all over the place. So you know, everybody of course is looking for anything that looks like a white box van that's going to turn around and show up. Uh, and so I just kind of, you know, just kind of sat back a little bit and just watched the thing. And, and, um, then it, it, all of a sudden, you know, you start the, the amount of people start to really start to start to show up. Mm -hmm. And, um, so 
at that point, I'm like, okay, I'm going to put my stuff on, you know, just in case, because there's some people that are, they had one, they had a couple guys that were walking around with cameras, and you could tell they were scouts, was what were they, what they were, and they're sitting there taking pictures and they're videoing everybody who had as far as the, the guns, and so they, they had Antifa logos and stuff. So of course we're taking pictures of them and and uh, stuff like that because we want to make sure we got, you know, whose face is here. If something happens, we got it for later on, and uh, so. We're, we're kind of sitting there, and this guy comes up uh, to join the protesters, and he's got an Antifa mask on, and it's got this skull. And uh, so I'm like, okay, bingo, we've got – there's one for sure. He's got an Antifa logo on his – right on the forehead of the of the mask. He's one of them, you know. Mm-hmm. And so as we're kind of standing there, uh, I noticed that there's a crowbar in through his belt loop, and I'm like – Okay, so I take mental note, you know, of like, okay, we got, he's got a crowbar, so it's evident he's not here for, you know, to protest. He's here to create damage yeah. because nobody, yeah. you don't bring a crowbar, you don't even bring it as far as a weapon. That's, I mean, it was a brand new crowbar. It was per, it was bought purposely for this event. You could tell, uh, not even a scratch on it. And um, so as he's going into the group, all of a sudden uh, he starts to have an altercation with a guy. And this guy, uh, who was who was an army vet, and um, his name was uh, Sam Rowland. And uh, Sam's like trying to push him out, saying, you know, hey, we don't want you here with your garbage, you know. Mm-hmm. So at that point, we're all alerted, going, okay, this guy's not wanted with the protesters. He's trying to infiltrate it. They don't want him here. Because your stance is protesting is fine. Yep. You, you know, and, and that as long as it's a peaceful protest, trying to make a point, right. you don't have a problem with You're that. Right, exactly right. Okay. I, and I'm, I just want, I, I want, it's not just for my clarification. I want yeah. the listeners to be super clear. Yeah, we weren't, it wasn't, <clears throat> it wasn't the fact that as far as we're waiting, we're, we were on guard waiting to make sure that the protesters weren't getting infiltrated with bad people and then their messages weren't being what they intended you know because mm-hmm. we had people who are like they'd come up to us and say we don't know who that guy is and he's 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 talking weird and he's not really looks what, like trouble it looks like what he's not what we're about and so we had that relationship with these guys and so so when this whole thing when you know when when sam's trying to pull him out and and push him away we there was a few of us that went up there and i'm like you need to go you don't they don't want you here there's no reason for, you know, they don't want you part of the protest. You need to go. And so he starts to kind of argue back and forth. And, and so Sam's trying to keep, you know, push this guy. And, and the guy's trying to lip back at us. And uh, so he starts getting halfway through the park. And that, so our whole intention was is to make sure that he gets to a vehicle and leaves, mm-hmm. you know. But he says he's going to go into the Winco. And I'm like, You're, there's no, for one, you have women and children in that thing. There's no reason that you should have a crowbar in your hand with a skull mask going into a Winco. And so um, we keep, you know, pushing him towards the direction. And you can see the looks on a lot of these families' faces that are like going, you know, they're like, they're more worried, weirded out about him than they are as far as us. You oh, know? sure. They felt comfort. You could tell. You could just by the expression on their face, you could tell flat out they were happy that we were on top of it. And so uh, he keeps trying to fight with Sam as far as the fact that he wants to go into this Winco. And so then I I flat out tell him, you want to make me feel better, then give me the crowbar. And so Sam takes the crowbar from him and then hands it to me. And I said, now you're giving this to me on your own accord, correct? And he says, yeah. 
I said, not a problem. Good. And that was what took place as far as the crowbar. So, of course, you get, you got these liberals and some of these protesters are like, oh, trying to, oh, he was the one who took, no, he wouldn't have taken it if I hadn't asked for it. Yeah. So that's that's how if if I hadn't asked for it, he would have continued to try to go into into Winco. So th- there's no it's not there's no gray area. Mm-hmm. I said if you want to make me feel better, hand me the crowbar. He grabs the crowbar from him, hands it to me. It was only because of of that request that that took place. So no matter how they try to slice it and make it into what it's not, it uh, it's irritating. But um, <laughs> you act like that's a new thing. Well, that they're yeah, twisting I know, the story. right? I mean, it's like any way that they can, you know. It's yeah, like it's, whatever. It's just what it is. But uh, so yeah. So regardless, he was in. He was in. The rest. Of, some of the other guys ended up basically following him, make sure he got into a different vehicle, and then left. And then we spent, you know, six days. Going up and down the streets, but you know, after that first day, it was like it dawned on me, um, going, okay, how many of these people actually know what they can do? Because they might have military experience, but this is a civilian world, and you have civilian laws. Mm-hmm. And so then that's when I started asking the questions, like, hey, so you got any law enforcement experience? You got any law enforcement experience? And so it was just, it was like, no. Okay, I'm like, all right. So it's. A, because there was nobody that I ended up touching that actually said yes. So, but I, I did find out later that there was somebody that was head down there that um, had had it, but I had never crossed paths with them. So, uh, so at that point, I'm like, okay, these guys need to really make sure that they know the parameters that they can do stuff because mm-hmm. I think some of them. So that's when we had opened up the group and. I, you know, basically made it into an informational thing, share, you know, if you see anything or you're seeing any type of weird stuff, activity going on, post it here, keeping people aware. And uh, so then I started to go ahead and and I put together, I had a meeting and and I was in a parking lot. I'm like, I want you guys to know, okay, this is, this is what Idaho law is. This is what you can and can't do. And you, you have the ability to defend yourself with equal or lesser force. Mm Mm-hmm. You don't get an opportunity to use your weapon because somebody goes and breaks a window. Yeah. That you can't just start right. spraying rounds. Exactly you, you right. Know, it, and that's exactly it. And so it was – It was some of them, it was like they had that confusion thinking that they had the ability. And so then when, when all of a sudden all the parameters came in of what they couldn't do, it was like, man, we really – there isn't a whole lot we can do. Other than I'm like, well, that's exactly it. Now you understand as far as from a law enforcement one cost what what their ability is to do as mm-hmm. well. So and then it was a matter of like okay well here's the other thing that I want you to think about and that is is that you can carry that rifle and we can stand there and be vigilant but here's the thing the moment that you try to go hands on with somebody you better have gu- your gun retention because what's going to keep them from getting your gun from you. Mm-hmm. So it was those kinds of things that I wanted to basically go, okay, think about this much before you decide to go hands-on with somebody. And you better have a really good, good, uh, without a doubt, that it had to go hands-on because their hands were on you. you well, I'm glad that you were able to do that and kind of take control of that situation because, you know, from, from somebody – um, watching mm-hmm. at a distance, it's easy to see that this this thing it could have turned into a shit show really fast. Yep. Right. And and what I mean by that is not just from the Antifa guys or the mm-hmm. BLM crowd or what whatever they want to call themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but, but but somebody I think that there is there is a a certain percentage there's people out there that uh, they just want to they want to carry a rifle and they mm-hmm. want to feel like they know what they're doing and they want to they want to maybe even have the opportunity to use it but they don't know what they're doing mm-hmm. right and so when when like if we were talking about when I was in the military there, there's things called rules of engagement and yep. things that you can and can't do mm-hmm. uh, and, and nobody's had this training you can't have these people just running rabid. Mm-hmm. Trying to in their mind they're doing the right thing. It could be disastrous really fast. Right. And so that I I and I'll be honest with you, I was a bit concerned from that aspect. Now that's coming from a guy who believes everybody in America should own a gun mm-hmm. and and has we all have that right to to have a firearm. I just think if you're gonna own a firearm, you need to know how to use it. And so right. it was good to have somebody like you mm-hmm. that was kind of on scene. To kind of help guide some of these guys through it that maybe maybe don't really have the background to to be walking around the streets with a with a you know AR-15 or whatever. Yeah, it it came down to as far as that somebody needed to ask the questions. Yeah, and so I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do because we need to take a tally as far as who who can do what, and then if this thing has to. If we're going to be down here, we got to make sure that people. You're always going to have that overwatch, you know, that someone's got to make sure because it only takes one round and we're in national news. Exactly. And that's my thing. And, and, that, and that was my biggest concern yeah. is something mm-hmm. went awry and it would shine a negative light right. on gun owners and Idaho mm-hmm. and, and, you know, all this. You, you know, you know, the nature of the of the right. culture here in Idaho. We're mm-hmm. a pretty right leaning leaning area. Right. And and that's all some of those those big left wing media types are just waiting for something like that to trigger mm-hmm. a national news event. That's exactly and so, it. Yeah. And, and so it, that's why it came down to, uh, you know, when after as far as answering the questions, it was like, okay, because um, there was another guy named Mike, and, uh, you know, he, he's well level-headed, same type of, you know, background or whatever. So it was kind of like him and I both were ended up, you know, going and, and, uh, just basically checking in on everybody. And it was a matter of making sure barrels were down. And then we had, then we had the conversations of here's, here's what we're not going to see. We're not going to see people having a beer at the bar with your gun sitting on a table. We're, we're not yeah. for one. And this was the biggest thing. And that is, is that when, when I, when I made this, this meeting, I told him specifically, I said, we're, we're not here to embarrass the mayor. We're not here to embarrass our community. We're not embarrassing the sheriff's department. We're not embarrassing the police department. We're not embarrassing ourselves. So how we do things is how people are going to view us because they're going to see this all over the place. And mm-hmm. then, and well, lo and behold, we, I mean, we were all over the world. Oh, I know. No, I had friends that uh, I was actually in the Marines with uh, mm-hmm. sending me messages. Oh, man, I, I see what's going on in your, yeah. out of your neck of the woods, man. What's up with that? It, it's, <laughs> it's like, yeah. It uh, is. It's crazy. Like I say, you know, before the show, I mean, I've, we've got a, a – a, a, a TV crew come, that's here from the U.K. That's they, They're now just leaving Portland. And they're going to be here, and they want to spend some time here, and they want to, but they want to paint the right picture, you know. So I've mm-hmm. got, uh, so I spent some time talking to this morning. So, uh, yeah, she she wanted to track me down because my name, of course, has been thrown all over. Yeah, it's been all over the place. Yeah, yeah. It, with the, you know, and a lot of it's been tainted because of you know Washington Post and and like the Inlander who've got these liberal skewed. You know, writers that they torque everything and make it look what it's not. And mm-hmm. but ultimately, they just look stupid anyway. Because I mean, everybody knows and saw the lives and the truth and stuff like that. So, it uh, 
there's no it just takes any type of merit i mean it just paints themselves but yeah it, it ended up going you know to where through that th- through the rest of the time that that's when i ended up having the communication with like the mayor and stuff like that and then it was just basically keeping you know i had i had phone calls you know uh just because there were cert- there were people that were concerned about certain things i mean i even had uh, the chief of police uh from post falls uh, pat calls me he's like hey he goes i just i need to know i got some parents a little nervous you know a little nervous or whatever it's like do you plan on having anybody at the graduation down by the fairgrounds and i was like no I said, be honest with you. I said, my daughter's graduating, and I have to watch it online. You know, uh, mm-hmm. being downtown. And uh, but no, we don't. We're not tell them they're they're fine. You know, and so yeah. we we ended up having to make sure you know keep in contact and put you know certain certain fires out and and give some um, calm to the people. And that's why I I ended up butting heads with a few people down there because of the fact it was like, hey. We don't posture this way. We're not. This isn't. You know, we're we're not going to be viewed, looked at like this way. How we posture yeah. is how this community is going to see us. And so, I honestly, I spent probably most of my time doing photo opportunities with people who were from Seattle, Portland, who were escaping their mess. Yeah, and the they mess was going and on. They still loved, going on. Over oh there. yeah, and they loved everything. Yeah, about what we're doing. I mean, you you talk to the realtors now here locally. The realtors are booked. Solid with people from Seattle and Portland that are coming here trying to buy homes now. Oh, Brett. I know. Thanks did, for that, man. We did such a great job. Now they're all trying to. <laughs> you tell them we're full. Right. <laughs> but uh, no, it, it's just, you know, and it wasn't, you know, I might have, I gave, I gave some insight and then just basically just checked on things. But it was this whole community who did it. It was 400 and some odd people who were the ones who kept this place safe. And I was only a tiny fraction of that whole process, and and that was pretty much it. it it's amazing to see what motivated members of a community can do because, like I said, even with the concerns that I, I was expressing mm-hmm. uh, as a community, I, I was I was super proud to be in this community yeah. because I, I've got – I've got family in Salt Lake City. I've got friends in Seattle and Portland. I've got, you know, you know it's going on in Texas. And, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's going on everywhere. Mm-hmm. And their, 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 their main streets are getting just savaged. Yep. By, and, and I, I, I want to call them out. Like, you know, this is bullshit. Mm-hmm. You're not protesting George Floyd. Right. You're not honoring anybody nope. by looting a business. Mm-mm. You're using this as an excuse. You're using race as an excuse mm-hmm. to go out there and act like a bunch of hooligans. And right. it's not going to happen in North Idaho. Right. It's not going to happen in anywhere in Idaho. I, you know, we've we've really done a good job mm-hmm. at preventing that. And and this is exactly the kind of example that needed to be set mm-hmm. so that other communities throughout America can look at that mm-hmm. and say, this is what they did in North Idaho to prevent this. What are we going to do? Right. Because it shouldn't be tolerated. No. It, and that's the funny thing is that they try to – they always try to put it as far as like because of the past history back in the 90s or whatever as far as this whole – what you know, they attribute because predominantly that we're the Caucasian and we have guns. So therefore, it's got to be labeled as, as far as a white supremacy. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I hate to tell you this, but you know, you know how many people we had down there, the people of color that were there? In fact, people that are in this group that are my admins for the Panhandle Band of Brothers – who, who are who are black, and they, know, yeah. they have the right hearts. They're good Christian people. 
They have great kids. I mean, it's like I think Isaiah is probably one of the, the the he's one of the biggest superstars in that group, and that he's a 19 year old kid, and the man has. I mean, you would talk about a well disciplined kid who, with the right upbringing, and people, you know, and play, half the girls are like, who is that kid? You know, and of course, you know, it's funny because he'll text me like, you can let him know who I am, you know, and <laughs> so so he's got you know he's got a pretty good fan fan bear. Can't blame a 19-year-old for no, that, right? No, you can't. You know, he's a good-looking kid, and, yeah. and so he. Uh, but he's he's exactly what our community is, and so yeah. it uh, these people who who go and try to paint it as that's like you're you're idiots if you think that's what it is. Because it, yeah, it does, and I've had I've had a you know doing this podcast. We get we get down. We actually, you know, what's crazy? We get downloads all over the world mm-hmm. in like random places, yeah. nor uh, Vietnam mm-hmm. and and these. Crazy countries like uh, they don't hunt. Yeah. What, what are we? Uh, what, why are you guys listening? I know there's certain of them like you know in Germany and Australia. Mm-hmm. There's mil- we have military bases. Right. And a shout out to you guys overseas right now if you're listening to this. Yeah. We appreciate it, man. Keep listening. Keep doing what you're doing. Let us know if there's anything we could do for you. But um, a- anyway, the point is we we get we get these downloads all over the mm-hmm. place. And so I've gotten a couple of messages from people or comments on things that I posted about. Oh well, North Idaho. Is like this this uh, white supremacist thing uh, or place because of these things that happened back in the 90s. And mm-hmm. and what they don't understand is is we as a community ridded our community of that. Yep. This is a colorblind area. Mm-hmm. We're a colorblind part of the country. We don't give a damn what color That's somebody right. is here. And, and I'm serious about mm-hmm. that. And and it's it's a it's such a change. Mm-hmm. And again. Uh, that is another way that the North Idaho area and and other parts of the country. There's other parts of the country that have done this, like Western Montana. Uh, they've gone through some of this. Parts of Wyoming have gone through stuff like this. But we we've set some examples mm-hmm. as to how to make our community better. Yep. And now I got this guy named Brett Surplus sitting in the in the in the <laughs> studio here, who helped organize this event downtown to prevent uh, the looting and the rioting and the and the just all out mayhem and chaos that's, that's gone on in other cities around uh, the the country. I want to talk about your run mm-hmm. for the state senate okay. for a minute, and um, you know, I because you're not one of those guys that has had this lifelong vision of being a politician. Is, mm-hmm. Am I right to say that? He's not even close. <laughs> uh, I kind of picked up on that, yeah. and and I think that you showed some leadership, and you've got mm-hmm. value as a leader, mm-hmm. and that that really kind of came out in in these events that, that happened ever, ever since. It's just been a crazy year, right? It 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 has. Yeah, you know, it really just, has. It. Uh, I won't. Uh, Go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Oh well, I was just gonna say. I mean, you know, it was kind of you know during that whole thing, um, it was trying to be the voice of reason, really, what it was, because there was there was animosity that was taking place against like one of the business owners because of the the posts that were made on social media and stuff. So mm-hmm. I'd reach out to the community and say, look, hey, you know, um, here's the situation. We all get, you know, this time everything that's been going on, it's 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 overwhelming for people. Some people handle it differently. We shouldn't go and isolate this person because of this. People are human. They're gonna go ahead. They're gonna make mistakes. So let's not let's not sit here and crucify somebody because of you know they got overwhelmed with an event that occurred. Exactly. And then like when it came down to the protesters, you know, it ended up being to where one of, you know, a couple of them, the same three would go over to Spokane, they burned the flag and whatnot. And so then all of a sudden the heat came on and it was like everybody had it out for them. It's like, yeah, they got caught on TV, they got pictures, you know. And so it, it ended up being to where the, they created this storm, this, you know, this big storm. And so it was now 
they got themselves backed into a corner. They were they were getting threats and they were afraid to go out. And so I had talked to the one Joseph and, and I told him on the phone, I'm like, look, here, here's what you need to do. I said, people will accept you at your faults. You just need to come out and say, look, I apologize. Because, I mean, his own family was like, was ridiculing him going, we have family in the military. What are you doing disrespecting that whole thing or whatever? And mm-hmm. So if the thing backfired on him, you know, and so – I tried to go ahead and be a voice of reason and try to help these guys. You know, I, every time I kept putting my hand out to these guys going, hey, I'll, I'll help you get through this whole thing, you know. And so I would make the live videos and say, hey, he's going to he's gonna make a public apology. Because if you could, try to find it in your hearts. If we're, if we're true Christians, we're going to listen to it. We're going to accept as far as what he has to say. Listen, hear him out, you mm-hmm. know. And, and we've all been young in 20s and do stupid stuff. And, I mean, ask my dad. Trust me. I mean, it's like I'd embarrass my father, you know plenty when i was younger you know <laughs> yeah so, my parents won't even talk about certain yeah things. well my dad was a cop so imagine <laughs> oh, that whole thing yeah. so it's like you know it's, it's nothing you know when you're a juvenile and you get into trouble and your dad's the first person to bust you i mean it's I'm like i'm glad i didn't have family yeah. in law enforcement man. oh man <laughs> but it's like you get to know as far as you, you realize you know your parents still my dad taught me that i was never above the law mm-hmm. and and he demonstrated that by making those actions, and so that's why he had the respect of this community, is because we weren't, we weren't, we you weren't. weren't that's, right. Yeah, that's right. But um, so, but that's the reason why everybody's like, you know, okay, the whole, you know, as far as the, the trying to be the voice of reason for the most part. So when it came to the running, I, I started getting asked like, hey, here's the thing, we have this this deal going on here with this level th- with the uh, sent with District Three. You live in District Three, and. Uh, we need to secure, you know, as us being as far as being Republicans, we need to make sure we have a true Republican and not a rhino. And that's exactly what's taken place during the primary because of the three splits, where the three-way split that occurred. So I started to do some research and whatnot and started to really realize that, yeah, this isn't a true Republican. And it, I don't I don't want to roll the dice and jeopardize the, waking up the next morning and figure out that, hey, if I didn't – if someone hadn't done something or to step in to, to try to do that role, we could be facing problems as far as with gun rights and everything else. So mm-hmm. that's why I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and I'll, I'll go ahead and do it. And uh, – it's a two-year commitment, and it doesn't, you know, the pay is nothing. If you, if anybody thinks that running for a state senate is actually going to make you rich, you're dead wrong. <laughs> uh, you know, the job pays like seventeen thousand eight hundred dollars for a part-time deal to, you know, so you're not going to be rich. You're going to still have your other job. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's uh, not a, it's not like being a no congressman where you can go in broke and be a millionaire yeah. three years later <laughs> well for, for the for the national and not because that's what i'm talking about the yeah. national and they're not it's not because of what the government's paying them. yeah you know what i mean yeah um and so it's it's an interesting thing to me because and i, I think i was i was telling you this mm-hmm. you know prior to us recording uh i used to be a lot more into politics mm-hmm. and i've been soured by it mm-hmm. I, i've been soured by the whole process yeah i i'm sour with how vastly different the two Americas are these days mm-hmm. between Democrats and Republicans, right? Right. And and like this this thought process that we have to be enemies because we politically disagree. Mm-hmm. No, we don't. I'm only going to be your enemy if you try to take my rights away. Right. Right. And mm-hmm. and and in, in in this country, that's that's not mm-hmm. a, a belief that we can tolerate. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, I'm soured by the way the media portrays things. I'm soured by the way politicians behave. Mm-hmm. 
um, the way they spend money and the way they lie to us to get legislation passed mm-hmm. – uh, or, or tell us one thing and, and then do another. I, I, I'm soured by politics, yep. and and I don't have much room for the government. Hell, I don't even let the government educate my children anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and so that's that was a big part of why my wife and I decided to homeschool, mm-hmm. and why we live out in the woods like this. And it's not like we're conspiracy theorists, mm-hmm. and we're not like crazy right wingers, mm-hmm. but we are. People that want to be left alone, yep. and and that's that we want freedom, and we want the freedom to choose our own destiny, right. and be left alone, and teach our children what we believe they they should be taught, mm-hmm. and be educated in a real way, yeah. not have to be. Um, well, that's a whole different topic. Yeah, but, no. Uh, I, do you yeah. get what I'm saying? Yeah. It's... And so I, I guess I want to ask you, with with all that being said, because I, I've really never gotten much into the the weeds of politics on this show, mm-hmm. and I kind of intend to keep it that way. But sometimes it's it, it hunting and politics they merge at times, right. and so it's important to talk about it. But yeah. I, I want to ask, like, you know, what what do you want to achieve as a state senator? What, what's the goal? Well, I think I looked at it. The reason why I said yes, I would do is because of a couple of reasons. And one is I wanted to make sure that this to secure our rights period when it came to 2A um, and then our freedom of speech, all of our normal stuff that we're, we're used to. There, I think a lot of it, there's some things that there's certain laws that I think they could get rid of. Um, and I think there's some stuff that needs to be actually that should have been passed a lot, especially as sportsmen. Um, I look at as like, why aren't lighted knocks? Why hasn't that been legalized? Um, yeah, uh, that, well, I could tell you why. Well, but, yeah, you I know. Yeah, I do. And, but then yeah. that's why for me, to me, it's an asset yeah. because the reality of it is, is that if we're talking about conservation and preserving our wildlife and whatnot, so here is something that will actually help. I mean, if you think about it, especially during, you know, when it comes to archery season, I mean, we've we've heard it, you know, numerous times. Someone loses an animal. They can't track it. They can't find it. And it gets dark. That bull elk up there took me nine days to find it. Exactly. And so, but what ends up happening? How many guys, I mean, not everybody's going to be perfect, but, you know, a guy can turn around and go look for it for a day and go, oh, well, you know what? Um, guess I, I still got my tag. So, mm-hmm. so now what ends up happening? They turn around. They go back out. Then let's say they're successful, they kill another. Well, now that person's actually taking two. Two, exactly. So it's like, why not have a, a tool that is going to allow for somebody, especially at night, just like, okay, if I just would have been able to see so much yardage, whatever, that that thing was sticking out, that it would have actually, that animal would have been, been been properly taken care of. It would have been harvested. It wouldn't be down by two. Now we're only down by one. So for me, it's an asset. There's nothing that says we can't do that, and why they're they're stopping it is ridiculous. And yeah, yeah uh, you don't have to convince me, man. Yeah. I'd, I'd love to use leaded knocks. It's yeah. been it's not like a huge issue for me, but mm-hmm. at the same time, it's one of those things. Like I see why the commission says, oh no, we don't want to add that technology to the hunters, and 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 because it, that opens the door to other avenues of technology mm-hmm. that gives us the hunter this big advantage, and blah 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 blah. But really, if you just – why does it have to be so damn complicated? That's another reason why right. I'm, I'm so soured with politics. Mm-hmm. Why does it have to be so complicated? Right. Change the wording a little bit. And that's verbiage and, is everything. The verbiage. Like it's uh, that Tacticam that I was talking about mm-hmm. over there. 
uh, earlier. I had my buddy Rudy Nunez on on the show, who's who's with Tacticam, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about him maybe coming to Idaho and filming the hunts. Well, that Tacticam, you can actually put it to your bow, mm-hmm. or you can hook it to the scope of your rifle. Mm-hmm. Well, in Idaho, you can't do that. Yeah. And it's because of... The way that the verbiage is written, mm-hmm. it gives no advantage. It doesn't give me a range. No. It doesn't light up the scope or my sights or anything else. Right. It, there's there's no um, technological advantage. Right. I'm just trying to film my hunt. Mm-hmm. But because of the way the law is written, I can't use it on big game. And, it, and it's stupid. It like, is. It's ridiculous. Simplify Because it. there's no difference from if it's on your head versus on your mounted on your bow. It gives more stability there. There's no reason why that shouldn't be allowed. It's yeah. not helping you. It's not assisting you in taking that animal. Yeah. So for for them to, to do that, that's why I want to really get into this fight because it's like – we can sit and have meetings and and uh, you know people have these little you know like when they when fishing game puts on these these little forms or whatever and tries to get that. We need to have a sportsman in legislation period to turn around and go take the fight to them yeah. because those things need to be allowed. Um, they're they can they can happen in the other states. There's there's nothing detrimental about them with them being added. It's no different than if you if you take a fiber optics on a on a site. What what does it do? It uses sunlight to go ahead, and what's it do? It illuminates. Mm-hmm. No different than a battery illuminating something else on something. And, but but ultimately, a lighted knock is an end product. It's at, when you take the shot. It's not nothing to do. It doesn't change as far as the the you know the speed. It doesn't make it go faster. It doesn't give any type of explosive impact. There's nothing to it. All it is is built for retrieval. Yeah. Period. So there's no reason why that can't be, uh, you know, uh, legalized. Just like you're saying, as far as the Tacticam stuff being, outlet, there's nothing that that is detrimental to that other yeah, than the fact. But uh, here's another thing. It also helps with retrieval because if a person can see where the shot was, if it missed, whatever, then they can kind of you can get a better idea as far as okay, what should I be looking at? Do we have a liver shot? Do we have a you know? Is it exactly. a where's can, this where's the shot placement? With it'd be so easy to take that SD card out of that tact cam, That's throw right. it in my little phone reader, mm-hmm. and watch the footage. Where right. did that arrow just hit? Where right. did the bullet just hit? You right. know, what direction did he actually go? Because you know how it is. Mm-hmm. You know sometimes you release an arrow. You know it hits, but you're so full of adrenaline and chaos, and I'm still, you know, I still get like buck fever, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't even care if it's a little three point buck; mm-hmm. I'll get buck fever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just get excited. Yeah. And and some people, you know, they'll and they tell me, oh, you got to learn to control that. What, man? I've been hunting for over thirty years. Yeah. I, 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 it just is one of those things. Mm-hmm. I, I get excited. Yeah. And so when that uh, things kind of, I go kind of black when mm-hmm. I when I fire. Yeah. You know, I don't know. So being having that technology available mm-hmm. to see what happened while you're so pumped up and excited mm-hmm. it's like a no-brainer to me but well, try to convince the commission of that. well it's a tunnel vision that it's no different than as far as whether you get into a shootout it's a tunnel vision everything goes narrow everything goes black on the outside mm-hmm. of it so you're you're focused on so you're not really paying attention to everything else which is why they like they try to train you to pay attention to this guy or whatever but yeah but that adrenaline what it does is it shuts it it puts that tunnel vision down and you're now you're fo- you're just zoned in on this thing. So that's why a lot of times some people will turn around and they'll shoot a smaller buck, not realizing that the bigger buck is right there because that tunnel vision has basically, you know, it's kind of like have a, a vintage, um, you know, picture. You know, it's all, yeah, it's all yeah. black, round, or scope. You know, so that's what takes place. And 
when it comes to when it comes to items for retrieval, there shouldn't be any type of fight about it. It should if it's going to help and it's going to help as far as conservation wise, keeping our numbers to where we're not over, you know, because of of things that occur, you mm-hmm. know, that bad shot placement and things of that sort. But if it helps with as far as finding, tracking, and retrieving, it should be allowed. There's nothing. I mean, it's you like shouldn't have limitations on that. No, yeah, I mean, sure. a person can take a, a a GPS. You know, if you can walk around with a GPS uh, system, two hundred, three hundred dollar GPS system or whatever, when you're hunting or whatever, tell me what a flashing light on the end of an arrow is going to do. The, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just it doesn't give. So, as a state senator, mm-hmm. you would have to convince the commission to oh, yeah. bring that back to mm-hmm. the, the legislature, table. right? Yeah. And so that that could be a tall order. Well, yeah. that's the thing about Senate. The senators is you're writing as far as legislation. It's that's the whole thing. Yeah. So yeah. it's uh, it's the legislative branch. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yep. that's why having you know been a cop and you know knowing the difference between the words shall and may, you know when it comes to <laughs> writing legislation. I mean, yeah, I think uh, I have a better uh, make a big difference. I have a bit better different a, a bigger uh, make a better difference and then probably have a little bit better. Um, uh, ideals than the opponent, shall we say? And what else would you consider like a priority for you as a as as a Senate candidate? Well, you know, I think there's 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 so many different things. And people have asked me certain stuff. You know, they're like, "What's your feeling on as far as like uh, CPS, you know, involvement, you know, and then when it comes to uh, nurses and doctors and whatnot, and what it, what it has to do as far as with your child, and what you know whether CPS gets involved because you're not taking the recommendation for a treatment from a doctor, and you know so there's there's that whole aspect that you got to look at. You know you've got these child protective laws that that you got to look at, and a lot of it has to do with it's not just as far as whether the law, but it's also as far as the person, the social worker who's making the request. So we got to really look at those as far as who are we putting that it's involved with this whole thing that are that are you know that are when it comes to judgment that are making outlandish let's say like the the parents that all of a sudden you know they don't they don't believe what this doctor has to say as far as what they want to do for a treatment they don't want to do it whatever and uh, then they want to turn around and get involved and say well no you can't your your kid's going to need this whole thing and then they want to try to take the kid away uh from the parents and these great good parents you know and and uh so it's a hard. It's a hard. I think a lot of it has to be analyzed. Uh, verbiage has to be analyzed. Uh, the whole system, as far as who who's doing what, their hiring process, as far as who they're putting in there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, that because the requests don't come unless they're the ones who are right and who are, ask, who are asking for it, you know. And uh, so I think that's going to be that's something that I need to. I would like to kind of make sure and focus on because there's no reason why that um, health care professionals should be as far as being the ones who making an assumption and thinking how someone's home lifestyle is, mm-hmm. you know, to put, be able to pull a child. Um, so between that and then, you know, a public, <clears throat> public access to, uh, land is a, is another thing. I mean, I think there's needs to be, there needs to be some laws as far as when it comes to selling off properties and whatnot, that there's still public access to, I mean, you have a, you can have a top of a mountain. It's got, it's all state land. 
But they're selling everything around it, and then you can't. You got to yeah. walk through somebody's property. It's they're, an island of public land. There needs to be some kind of easement. That's exactly and, right. Yeah, yeah. And so those kinds of things need to be taken, you know, uh, into consideration. And in fact, as far as them selling off, as far as property that they shouldn't be, that's been basically, it's been in, in you, places that you've, you know, you've hunted and and whatnot. Yeah. You take Canfield Mountain, for example. Born used to raised. be accessible. It used to be accessible. You could go, you know, and so now we're selling off, you know, pieces of the, you know, the, of the property. It's like, who owned it to be able to be? And that was my question. You know, who owned it to turn around and sell it? And mm-hmm. then, and then they turn around, and now we're trying to go ahead and and we're trying to get, you know, you've, you've got uh, the. Yeah, more of the left group who's now trying to basically take control of that mountain. And so it's like, you know, there was times I get into arguments with people that are sitting there telling me what I can and can't do as far as when it came to hunting. I mean, yeah. um, and those create, you know, arguments. And sometimes it, it gets, that's a dangerous situation uh, with people trying to go ahead and go tell them as far as what a hunter can and can't do. Uh they weren't there when I was there since I was 12 years old. Hey, you remember back in the day, like before all these, and, and I, I'm not trying to be offensive, mm-hmm. but these urbanites moved to somewhere like North Idaho, mm-hmm. right? And now all of a sudden they want to go ride their bikes and, and hike and, and do all these things in, in areas where we hunt. Mm-hmm. And I think that that has, and this is just from what I've, I've seen mm-hmm. experience-wise, it's had a huge impact on the wildlife. Mm-hmm. Um, not that hunters are the only ones that have rights to the to the woods, mm-hmm. right? That's not what I'm saying. So don't anybody get their panties in a bunch and send me a bunch of nasty emails. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not. It's just something I think about sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like the, now that people are a lot more active these days, and people move from these big urban areas to places like this mm-hmm. where – and now because of your good deeds, everybody wants to move here. Um, <laughs> you're not going to live that one For down. the record, do not blame me for that. <laughs> Anyways, uh, you know, there's a, just a lot more enc- encroachment into the woods. Mm-hmm. And, and people, you know, between ATVs and bikes and, and hiking and mm-hmm. uh, people are getting more into picking uh, huckleberries, for example. Mm-hmm. Which man, it is a banner year for huckleberries. Yes, it is. Holy smokes! Yes, it is. Um, and I'll give you another little example. Uh, going up the river that we camp on, I'm not going to say the river, mm-hmm. but you know the, the the you get off the freeway at this particular river and start heading up. It mm-hmm. used to be a couple of pieces of private property or whatever right there on the river. Well, now they've like subdivided this, and they're leasing these little campgrounds. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who likes to camp like that because you're just basically in a subdivision. Yep. But they're like these little half-acre things all the way up the river. And every little meadow and field and all this stuff for the first 30 miles up the river now is just clogged up with all these people camped right on the river like that. Mm-hmm. And where you used to drive up and see elk and, mm-hmm. and deer and, and you know all sorts of wildlife up there, it's gone. Mm-hmm. You, you don't see that anymore. And yeah. you don't see the wildlife on Canfield Mountain like you were talking. Mm-hmm. And for those that aren't in North Idaho, it's just a prominent mountain in our area. We, mm-hmm. you know, everybody, every community has this mountain right. in the west, you know, that kind of overlooks town or whatever. Um, Tubbs Hill mm-hmm. is like that, you know. I used to be able to go out there and take my dogs. I'd be the only one out there. Mm-hmm. You can't do that anymore. No, just, and that's, you know, and that's like the same thing as far as with Canfield. It's like, um, you know... For hunters, they don't. People would only see us too much. You know, let's say 
well, most people, I mean, you'd have only a very small amount of people that would hunt, you know, elk during October, but you'd have to go a long ways, you know, get towards that back area. But uh, November predominantly, you know, mm-hmm. and so I would have this discussion with some of these people. There's, I know there's a bike group that have basically, they run a lot of that. And I, and I told that I actually met uh, someone and she's, she's a pretty good friend now. We actually, we didn't hit it off in the beginning. It was funny. Um, funny how that works sometimes. I know, but, uh, <laughs> but she was born and raised here. And so she has that kind of, uh, um, you know, she was raised around it and stuff like that. So she understands. And so, um, we laugh about it now because of how we met, but, um, it, uh, it came down to is like, okay, if I was to have a meeting and talk with these groups and as far as who, who owns it and whatnot, this is what my attitude is, is that, you have that – you walk and you bike and you do this stuff. You know, you've got 11 months out of the year to do it. We, locals, and, pe- and people – you don't even have to be local. It could be people who have come here because of the fact that they do want to hunt. There's one month. There's the month of November that if this is what that area is known for, then you need to accommodate just like we accommodate you in what you're doing. We support, I mean, and that's and the thing is, if they team up, or whatever, they would actually have more help. We'd we'd be helping each other. And yeah, so, that is just a thing of the past, though. Yeah, and that's the problem. There, there's two problems with what you're saying mm-hmm. in, in terms of, first of all, when they get riding the bikes up and down that mountain for 11 months of the mm-hmm. uh, the year, there's no big whitetails on that mountain anymore. Mm-mm. They're long gone. They're all in Dalton. And, yeah, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. And the the second part to that is. There is no teaming up with everybody's so freaking isolated from other types of people anymore, and that's that. uh, That goes back to what I was saying. With I think like like the thought of going into politics for me, I I couldn't do it, man. Mm -hmm. You're a lot braver than I am because I can't take that this dynamic where oh we're we're bicyclists, so we hate hunters, and we're bird watchers, and so we hate bicyclists, and mm-hmm. and and all these things that just kind of right. isolate these different groups, and people fight, and yeah. it's just never. I'm I'm so burned out with it. You know, and that's when it came down to as far as the decision to run, it was like, how many times are we going to wake up and say I'm tired of this? Where it was like, well, then it always comes back down to the equation. Well, what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? True. And so. It's either I could have kept saying uh, that's somebody else's problem, let them figure it out, or um, or am I going to take the gamble? You know, and it was no different than as far as downtown. If not me, then who? Because it really wasn't. If there would have been somebody else, I would have said, hey, you know, I think you should do this, whatever. Yeah. And that's a good point. Wasn't it like Ronald Reagan that said something like that? That you know, Mm -hmm. if not us, then who? And if not now, then when? Kind of thing. And it's it's a great, it's a great point. To, to to counter what I was saying, because mm-hmm. I because you're right, I could sit here and just bitch about it, mm-hmm. or I could do something. I, now that does not mean I'm running for office. Uh, well, I, you know what I think? <laughs> don't you guys think that he just went ahead and put his name for something like no, city council no. or something? I'll be the dog catcher. Man. Right. <laughs> you get elected and appoint me right. dog catcher. Yeah. I'll, I'll make you happy. <laughs> I don't think I have that type of position. But no, you don't. It, uh, <laughs> but. But that's the reality, you know. The the reason people ask as far as why the world became what it is, and and this is this is my look on it. What you're seeing from as far as rioters and everything else is because those are the kid, those are the timeout kids. Those are the ones who didn't have hand to butt. 
They're the ones that put it in timeout. Well, guess what, parents? If you're if you're the timeout parent and whatever, and your kid's acting like that, now you've seen exactly what they've become. Yeah. So. Man, I totally agree with that. It is, and so now, when you think about, everybody keeps talking about, well, well, why aren't these people going and taking over their cities? Why aren't they doing this? Because the fact that 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 they've become lethargic and lazy. They can sit back and they can become a warrior on their phone, sitting with their feet up on an ottoman, eating a bag of Doritos. And the one thing that the one statement that has, was, has stayed with me is that it came from my grandfather when I was growing up as a kid, and that is, as he said, "The smarter that man gets, the dumber man gets." That's a true fact. When you look at the technology, the more technology that we've had access to and what we've become, we've become a heck of a lot more dumb yep. by sitting around and not doing what we – I mean, it's the, look at the skill trades I and mean, whatnot. It's like you can have uh, you know, somebody making $70,000 framing, but the guy at Starbucks who went and got the two degrees, he can't even – you know, he's making twenty five grand a year because of the fact is that thought that you know, the degree was going to get somewhere. It's a lot of it is social skills, too. It when, is. when these kids sit on their cell phones, mm-hmm. the, like, and, and we don't need to go down this big rabbit hole, yeah. but but you, you think about, like, nobody answers. I've noticed that in my, my day job. Mm-hmm. Nobody answers their phone anymore. Right. Everybody wants to text or send yep. me an email. Mm-hmm. Well, I am trying to talk to you about a $150,000 contract regarding mm-hmm. this construction project, right. and you want me to text you the information? I That's don't right. think so. No. That's and, it. and it's it's the younger, you know, the, the people that they don't want to socialize. Mm-hmm. And, and, and parents, like you were talking earlier, the timeout versus the hand right on the butt, mm-hmm. um, it, it's, there's, a big, there's something to be said for that. Mm-hmm. And especially in the context of this, this like, entitlement-minded... Um, I don't know how to put that exactly, mm-hmm. but you, you, the, the the concept that the kids and and my wife and I know this well. We we spend time with uh, certain people that their kids are in control of mm-hmm. their house. Yep, and they ask their kids to do things. They mm-hmm. don't tell them like that would not have flown in my childhood. No, I didn't get asked to clean my room yeah. or to be in by by dark or or all these things. It was. By God, you're going to do it this way, or there are consequences. And that's my wife and I are very much on the same page in, with with how we raise our kids. Mm-hmm. And um, holy cow, we're getting super philosophical on this. this well, program. I mean, I it, love it. It's it, <laughs> it's kind no, of fun. Really, what it comes down to, what you're saying is, is that we as people have taken out the fear factor. We have, yeah. There's and, no fear and factor. So there's no there's no respect as far as law enforcement is concerned because before we would go if you did something or whatever and. The, you were afraid of the cops. Mm-hmm. Bottom line, you didn't. You weren't disrespectful. You weren't disrespectful to elders. You somebody else's parents, whatever. It was yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, and and there it was. We took yeah. we took out that fear factor. Once we started to go ahead and give rights, going well, you don't have the right as far as to hit your child or to smack your child or whatever. And all of a sudden, then uh, judges started to go ahead and entertain the uh, person as far as well. We need to go ahead and and give them these types of rights. Well. Here's what here's the results of taking away that fear factor. You're welcome, yeah, America. Here How do you go. like it? You, you went got, ahead. You got these kids burning cities down. That's right. Now they pretty much tell you, "F you, mom. Get me a, a you know a hot pocket out of the fridge so I can play my game and play Fortnite with Joey and do my yeah. thing." And then it's like, 
well, someday he's going to grow up and he's going to get out of here and little Billy's going to do... No, little Billy's not going to do nothing other than catch the back of the hand of somebody who's not going to go ahead and take yeah. that kind of lip, period. Yeah, seriously. And, and, and so then your kid's going to be in with shock and awe. Uh, the first time he gets rocked, because somebody else who was grown up in a different way. Yeah, and, and so, so there is there is an incredible amount of people that need to get smacked around, that's man. Right. I mean, I, I hate to say that, but it it, there are. It is. And there, my wife and I were talking about this. I was just telling we were up camp, and that's why I've got I keep itching my arm. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I got hit by like a hobo spider or something oh on my forearm. It's pretty nasty. Anyway, I got mosquito bites everywhere too. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, my wife and I were talking about this mm-hmm. when we were kids. Parents weren't so damn protective over their mm-hmm. their little angels, right? right? Like an old lady would walk up to you in the grocery store and and tell you to quit talking with your mouth full of food. Mm-hmm. And and I I mean there would be like it, it just people nowadays teachers have their hands tied because they're so terrified if they correct a kid that's out of line. Mm-hmm. The parents are going to call the principal and complain about right. them being mean to little Johnny or little Amy, mm-hmm. you know. And and that wasn't the case, man. Mm-hmm. If the principal called home when I was a kid, I knew I was in trouble. Yeah, I knew I was in trouble. Like they were going to get a hold of my mom or my dad, yeah. and it was it was all over with. Yeah. Nowadays it's it's different. Like the kids, nobody gets in trouble. No, no old ladies get up and smack kids around mm-hmm. anymore. Like they like the I was terrified of making my grandmas mad. Well, yeah, remember? Yeah. Well, and that's just it. But you look at as far as okay. So think of it when you look at as far, especially like the developments. Okay, you can go through all these developments, especially come to say wintertime. How many smokestacks do you see from wood burning? Hardly none. Yeah. Why? Because everybody's become lazy. Oh, I don't want to do it. I'll just turn on the heat. It starts as far as the parents concerned because of whatever heritage that they had. They got away from it because they didn't want to do it. They don't want to deal with as far as the work. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to go ahead and go, okay, well, if I go and get wood, uh, my kid's going to be out in the woods. He's going to learn as far as how to split wood and do some hard work and labor. And then when he gets home, he's going to stack it and whatnot. And then, you know, and so basically it's that whole appreciation so it's no different than it's like I mean, you think about it. If your dad drops a tree, my dad's—he's like a wood guru. I mean, it's, it's yeah, sickening. Yeah. I mean, it's like the man. <laughs> I, we fantasize about looking at some big bull elk. My dad looks at his red fur and goes, "Oh, mother of God!" You know, that's how my dad. <laughs> I kind of have a little bit of that. Yeah. Sometimes I'll be driving on yeah. a dirt road and I'm like, "God, that would make some great firewood oh, right there." <laughs> I'll I'll ride with my I'll go with my dad and he'll be like. I'll be willing to bet I can I can get that to drop right there, and, and that's 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 you know but that's what my dad's excitement is. Yeah, it's a, yeah. But the reality when you're growing up, you know, and when you drop that tree and, and all you can think about is getting that thing done and getting in the truck because why you're so darn hungry that you know that that sandwich that you packed you can't wait to eat it. Mm-hmm. And it, you know and it's but it's those little things of appreciation that was earned. And we've taken that away from the kids. I mean, as far as the, some people have, they've, they've gotten away from it. I mean, how many moms out there? And seriously, ask yourself this. How many of you go and you do the laundry and you fold your kids' clothes instead of just taking the whole thing and putting it on the bed? How yeah. many of you do that? I know there's going to be some. Not my wife. Yeah. There's going to be some that says, no, I'll make them do it. You know, or I make them do their own thing, whatever. But I guarantee you there's a large amount that are going to go, oh, gosh. Yeah, I do. Oh, I agree. You know no, I, mean? I agree. Or make their plate. Now, or... If they're two, three years old, that's different. Yeah. My wife puts, actually, the kids have to go to the basement and get mm-hmm. their own 
yeah. uh, clean laundry. That's good. Yeah. So my wife won't even fold my laundry anymore. That's, see, you're yeah. you're lucky. Can you believe that? You you have it going on. I mean, for no, me, I'm I a do. single guy, so it's like I I it's like if I look if the kitchen's messed up, I know who did it. You know what I mean? <laughs> if it's out of toilet paper, I know who's responsible. You know, I mean, I tell everybody I make the jokes. I mean, my my longest relationship so far has been with Marie Calendar, so it's kind of <laughs> <laughs> it, it is what it is. You know. You want to know something? I, I I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before, but I might even get in trouble. But I have not touched a washer and dryer mm-hmm. in over a decade. Oh man! And I'll tell you why. It's not because I'm unwilling to do it, or mm-hmm. I think my wife should do it. Not that at all. Mm-hmm. It's that my wife is very anal retentive Mm -hmm. when it comes to cleaning things. Oh, yeah. So I'm not allowed Mm -hmm. to touch the washer and dryer. Yeah. I'm allowed to haul them down the stairs and hook them up when they're new Mm -hmm. and haul them out when they go to the dump. That's right. Other than that, she has flat out outlawed me. It's because one time I put put dish soap in the washing machine (laughs) thinking that, you know, ah, whatever, and and I mixed all the colors. It's just soap, whatever. And next thing I know, there's like this bu- these bubbles everywhere, and literally she's yeah. never let me live, live that down, and I, I have not touched a washer and dryer ever since. Now, don't anybody get a hold of my wife and tell her she needs to change, because I really like it. It's pretty nice. <laughs> you got a good program. <laughs> and that's, you know, there's going to be, there's families that have, it's like they have those roles. It's like, okay, I'm going to do the inner stuff or whatever, because that's what they like to do, and yeah. you're going to do the outside stuff, and which works great. You know, I mean, if you have that pattern going down and it works for you, then fantastic. It's just from a kid's standpoint of how we've coddled a lot of these kids, which is the reason why they're acting the way they are, is because they're coddled children. So they don't have appreciation for it. They don't have the respect uh, for anybody that's given them anything or, you know, there's no appreciation whatsoever, which is why they're doing what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And then the other portion of it, and I'm going to probably get flack for this whole thing, but I don't care. And that is the reality of, is that you look at as far as the, the, the schools and the institutions and the professors and whatnot, you have a lot of liberal, um, influence, a lot of liberal influence when it comes to these universities, whatever else, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And then they wonder why, well, I went to college and now they have this liberal attitude. Well, it's because of that. So we need to start doing this whole thing is figuring out, okay, predominantly on these on these educators, where the, what's their platform and where they're coming from? Yeah. Because, you know, and I, don't get me wrong. I don't have, I don't dislike liberals. It's the, some of the thought process I disagree with. We can still be, I have friends that, that are liberals and, and, yeah, we, and now, we, we'd laugh and joke exactly, or whatever. Exactly, man. And, and, and uh, that was my. Trump jokes and. Yeah. You know. And that was my point earlier. Yeah. Is it's, it's gotten so ugly. Mm-hmm. I have friends that I've been friends with since I was a kid, but they're big time Democrats. They're, they're, you know, left wing uh, liberals that, and, and one of them even like lives in California now. Mm-hmm. Won't even talk to me anymore. Yeah. And it's not because I'm that vocal about it. It's just that I don't understand why we have to hate each other over political differences because that's not how our grandparents were. No. Democrats and Republicans, mm-hmm. granted back then, the differences may not have been as great as they are now. Oh, yeah. I think that things like social media and stuff has made people so extreme both on the left and the right. Mm-hmm. And I, I am, I've always been on that right side, mm-hmm. right? But I have not ever cared to destroy personal relationships over politics. Right. Like, 
it, let's have fun and, and have a rivalry. Mm-hmm. Let's argue about it a little bit, but then let's all sit down at Thanksgiving and, and, and have dinner together. But That's exactly I, it. You know, I don't understand why we have to fight so bad. Right. Um, and and that drives me. It pisses me off actually. Yeah. And so it's just not not the place for it. Well, the problem is is that the only way that that's going to occur is if you get the Democrats to actually think that this on this that that exact thing. Yeah. And the, and, the problem yeah. is if they you know they would then great. I mean, don't get me wrong. My aunt and uncle are Democrats, and I I love razzing my uncle just because I, mm-hmm. it's I love just just to go ahead and start the fire. It's like you know, <laughs> but. He's a hunter, and you know it. Uh, I have Democrats that listen to the show, yeah, right, and and it's. But I think there's also a difference between just a, a, a regular Democrat mm-hmm. and like a Hollywood liberal. Yes. Do, do you know what I mean? Yes. Like they're out of their minds, yeah. and they they're like one percent, maybe ten percent at best mm-hmm. of the Democrat Party, but yet they're the loudest part of it. Right. And they run around calling everybody bigots and yeah, racists yeah. and all this stuff when the reality is. Is they're the freaking bigots? Yeah. Like I don't, I don't hate you because of your beliefs. Mm-hmm. I don't expect you to live your life like I live my life. Right. I don't try to force things on you, and I don't try to take away things on you right. from you. All yep. I ask is to be left alone, and I want a small, limited, and controlled government. Mm-hmm. That, that's it. Yep. Like it's not that complicated. But yet. Yeah. They shove all this stuff down our their, our throats, and if we don't agree with them, we're racist, we're bigots, yeah. we're misogynists, we're, oh, we're yeah. this and that, and the, the list goes on. And I'm sick and, of it, man. And I really truly believe that there's two types of Democrats. Um, I do too, yeah. There's, there's the ones who are that that kind of that uh, over-eccentric, um, just ninnies, you know. Mm-hmm. And then there's, there's the Democrats. I like that word, ninny. They are. <laughs> and uh, then you have Democrats who are true, good people. That they may not agree as far as your guy or this guy or whatever, but you can sit and make jokes with each other, crack a beer, and go fishing and whatnot, and yeah. and their family or whatever, and or you can raz each other and you know, you know, for Christmas give them a Trump shirt, and then just to yeah, see yeah. the look on their face when they unwrap it, and uh, you know, but it's that kind of fun razzing to be able to do. It's it's keeping control and respect for each other, and uh, so because trust me, I think. Uh, Especially like when it comes to this whole Senate thing, for you Democrats that are actually listening, um, the 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 option that you guys have too is even far worse uh, on that deal. So you don't have to take my word for it, but I mean, you might want to do a little bit of research. So I mean, it doesn't hurt to vote for a Republican. I'm just saying. Yeah, just you know, saying. And, and it's okay. I got your back. I'm gonna make sure that your rights are taken care of too. I'm a very you know try to be level and and be there for everybody Um, i think everybody should have the equal rights Uh, if you want to be a vegan i'm not going to judge you and i'm going to let you live your life Mm -hmm. but don't tell me i can't go hit a hit an elk with an arrow and bring that organic meat home well that elk was a vegan too before we met so (laughs) (laughs) it just ends up on my plate so i mean it's kind of so let's let, we got to kind of wrap this up. We oh yeah, going, this has been a good conversation. It's been great. It's actually been a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, we're we're coming on to two hours. Holy That's cow. always a good sign wow. that it was a good good conversation. <laughs> so good. I want people I want people to know where they could find you mm-hmm. and anything they need to know about your platform mm-hmm. or your your belief systems, principles, things like that. Right. And I think we need to hammer it home mm-hmm. for you, Kootenai County, Idaho. Well, region. Three, District, District three, three, sorry, uh, voters mm-hmm. that you are a write-in candidate. Correct. And and so they need to keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, 
And I've got uh, – do you have like a political website? I do. So it? actually you can go to surplusforsenate.com, uh, and that's where – and for being F-O-R, the word. So it's all one word together, surplusforsenate.com. Um, and then you can see see more of it there. But, yes, it is it is a, uh, a write-in. Um, uh, so basically for voters, everybody needs to make sure that uh, – It's not working. But I'll, we'll, I'll find it before you leave. How do you spell it? Surplusforsenate.com. Sur, yeah, surplus, F-O-R. F-O-R? Yeah. Oh, I thought you said I had to use a number. No. That's what did it. So, uh, yeah, so surplus percentage. There we and, go. Um, but, you know, the main thing is this much, you know, speaking especially for your, uh, you Republicans who are listening. Look at that handsome devil on your website yeah, right there. that guy. <laughs> uh, he's overrated. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the reality of it is, guys, is that we as voters have done things religiously and habitually every single year. And that is is that when it comes to the general uh, general election – we have filled in a bubble because of the fact that it says the word Republican. This year, you cannot do that when it comes to the state Senate District 3. You're going to have to go down to the part that says other, and you need to put in the word surplus. And that will secure your Idaho. S-U-R-P-L-U-S. Just like Army-Navy. It's so simple that you think yep. about it. Army-Navy, surplus store. That's yeah. all you got to think about. If you put surplus in there, you're golden. So just uh, make sure that you spread the word, uh, your neighbors, whatnot, because um, – you don't want to. You don't want to take a gamble this year uh, and forget that whole thing. Um, so yeah, for sure, definitely, for sure. No, that's awesome. Um, okay, good deal. So guys, I'm going to put that in the show notes. Uh, Surplusforsenate.com. I'm also going to put uh, realsportsmantv.com. Did I say that right? Real, yeah, yeah. Realsportsman. Or TV.com. Yep. yep. Real, just like um, a fishing reel. So yeah. Two e's. Yeah. R e e l sportsmantv.com. That'll be in the show notes. Uh, check that out, and uh, if you guys if you, you guys want to jump on surplusforsenate.com for for North Idaho, you guys have a look at it and see what you think, and uh, give give Brett your support. And uh, this and, I think and is, donations is and donations. You need donations. Huh? <laughs> it, it costs money to put them signs out. Apparently, I didn't know that. So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, to get a bunch of it's signs expensive up. Expensive running for office, it, dude. You know, it's uh, I was kind of like man, you know, and honestly. I'm the type of person where I would probably say, you know what, you guys hold on to your money. I don't want you to waste your money on a yard sign. I want you to take your family to go do something. But unfortunately, uh, we're going to end up having to invest to make sure we don't wake up to new laws that we don't need. Yeah. And so ultimately, if you can, then fantastic. If you thought about it and you can't, I appreciate even the fact that you thought about it. So so I got a question. If If you... Everything goes good, mm-hmm. right? We got the the next senator for District Three is Senator Surplus. Mm-hmm. It's kind of got a good ring to it. Kind of. Will you come back on the show? I will. As definitely. a senator, I will totally do that. And we'll, we'll talk some real serious hunting. Yeah. Right? Maybe try to. We will do that. Stick to to the hunting topic there and and uh, kind of take it from there. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we can get get your game to set up to where you take in like live calls and stuff. I know. I'd lo- I actually, actually, you know, see this wire right here? Uh-huh. I bought this. It's supposed to hook into my board, and I'm supposed to call, be able to call. Uh-huh. 
I can't figure out how it works. Doesn't work. Yeah, we need to get you yeah. set up with like. Uh, I, I, I'm a disaster with this. With stuff. the video, so you can do the live video. Yeah, that'd be fun. That would be yeah. Yeah, for sure. So no, this has been a great conversation. Yeah, I appreciate sure. you coming in. I and uh, I dig that truck out in the driveway, man. Oh, thanks, man. And is it a Dodge? Yeah, I. Yeah, it so is. I'm not normally a Dodge fan. Me neither, but. But I, that thing's sweet. He's got like I'm gonna put it on the Facebook guys, or, or unless you don't want me to. No, it's fine. No, Eric, yeah, you kidding me? Everybody who knows me sees yeah, it, knows what that got, truck is. It's got Cabela's on the side and mm-hmm. Onyx and all, all these sponsors all over the truck. Mm-hmm. It's really cool looking, um, and so I, I just think it's pretty cool sitting in in the driveway. It looks good in my driveway. It, it's it's cool to look at, but it <laughs> sucks to drive it when you're sitting there because you, you don't your personal life you don't you can't go anywhere and just go have you know your own quiet time. Oh yeah, do you take that thing hunting? Oh yeah. Oh wow. Oh yeah. That's why it, 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 that thing. It it may look great with the decals, but trust me, that thing's termites <laughs> holding hands because of the places that I go with it. But you need to get you a rental truck, man, for hunting season. I, you know, I honestly like with the break, I'm almost thinking about just getting some sort of hidden car to where I, no one knows what I'm driving because exactly. it would be nice to be able to go have dinner and not be, mm-hmm. hey, I know you're here, and then pictures and you know my messenger blowing up and. Oh yeah. You know, or driving on the highway. You need to figure out how to be a little more anonymous. Well, it is. it is, And it, it's a magnet. And then, of course, if you have haters, then, of course, they're going to turn around and they're going to try to contact your sponsors and go, oh, he's doing this and he's doing that. And then oh, yeah. It's I just a constant. Oh, it is. Especially now with the whole running for Senate thing. It's, yeah. It's just under attack from, you know, liberal people that, uh, you know, who, are, who don't like what the cause is. So, mm-hmm. whatever. Go eat your tofu and leave bread alone right. out there. <laughs> no, that's great, man. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yeah. This has been awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I appreciate it. Now, thanks for coming on. And uh, guys, again, check out these uh, links in the show notes. I think it'll be it'll be definitely worth your time. And and uh, Brett, good luck to you this fall, man. I appreciate it. Between hunting and elections, yeah, good you luck. Too. You too. I appreciate it, and we'll uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Western Huntsman Podcast. Glad you joined us. If you liked that episode, please tell a friend and let me know what you thought at jimandthewesternhuntsman.com. And don't forget to check out our show sponsors. The links are in the show notes. Stay Western, and I'll see you on the mountain.